Welcome to episode 121 of the Ripstrip Podcast, the Avs and Clyde down the lightning edition of the Ripstrip Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Matthew, and I'm here with my co-host, Josh Fun. What's going on, man? I'm doing great, Phil. Yeah, exactly right there. The Colorado Avalanche go out and defeat the Tampa Bay Lightning. and uh, Tampa Bay doesn't pull off the three-peat in the NHL, but, you know, of course, that happened. And I'm a Florida guy, so I guess a little bit sad, of course, that uh, Tampa didn't win, but you know I'm not really too much into hockey. Uh, certainly not as much as you are, seem, uh, seemingly. So uh, glad to see your team win, I guess, and everything. But you know it was um, great NHL playoffs uh, that we saw there. But of course, it's not a hockey playoff podcast, but it's a sports podcast. So you know it is a little bit relevant there. And then um, you know, of course the racing side of things, and we had an interesting weekend of racing for sure at Nashville. A lot of a lot of things happened on Sunday. You know, lightning did strike. So there was that. I mean, struck multiple times, struck twice, uh, I think, on Sunday at the cup race. And, of course, um, you know, the trucks in Xfinity as well on Friday and Saturday night uh, afternoon at uh, Nashville. So, you know, we had a lot of action, uh, just a NASCAR-only weekend. You know, and, you know, glad to talk about it with you on, on the podcast. Yeah, we talked about the trucks on episode 120, of course, with uh, Joe Passero because we were actually doing the show live. So we'll just spend our time here tonight talking about the Xfinity race with Justin Allgaier uh, dominated, and then the cup race, which uh, William Clyde Elliott II came through and um, faded those uh, Gibbs Toyotas to go and get the victory there. Um, he'll, he takes his second win of the year and will lead that, take that momentum in a road America, which uh, he won last year in the first time that uh, uh, they were at Road America with the Cup Series in decades, since the 50s. So uh, Clyde's trying to win two in a row. Um, But we'll get into all the stuff that happened there. Uh, Toyotas were dominant. The Gibbs cars were were up front all night, all day and night. And uh, pitch strategy, different things happened to where they weren't able to come through. So uh, we'll get into why that was the case. Um, Bubba Wallace stood out, of course, for having a fast car, fastest car in practice, didn't have a great qualifying run, followed Kyle Busch, who wrecked his car in qualifying up through the front of the pack until his pit crew, you know, did what they usually do, um, leaving a wheel loose. So that means Booty Barker will spend another four weeks at home and um, the tire changer and carrier will be also at home. Um, I, I guess Michael Jordan loves paying people to sit at home because they haven't fixed their pit crew there. Um, hey, though, I mean, I, I mean, I know that they had a loose wheel and everything, but uh, I mean, they made it back to pit road, and maybe I don't understand the rule completely because I thought it was if the wheel comes off, but maybe not. I'd, uh, may, I don't know. I, 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 I mean, I figure if the wheel is loose, I mean, there's different things. It's like when, as long, if it comes off, it's four weeks. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, I guess I spoke out a song there, so if I'm wrong on that, I apologize. Yeah, Chris Busher's crew is definitely getting suspended, but yeah, yeah, yeah. They the they definitely left the wheel loose, but um, that basically ended Bubba's chances there yesterday. Um, I will talk about, of course, all guys I mentioned earlier. Roundup is uh, very jam packed. We have SRX. Um, Anthony Wayne Stewart got his first win of the year in an entertaining uh, show on Saturday night. I think most of the entertainment happened away from the front of the pack. It happened more in the pits uh, than it did on the racetrack, to be fair. Uh, six hours at the Glen, 
took place with uh, Acura's finishing 1-2 and um, the points battle is essentially between the two of them. Uh, we'll talk about the Mossport entry list as well since they're going to be racing there this weekend, first time in a few years. MotoGP and Moto2 raced in Assen this past weekend, one of the historic landmark motorcycle circuits. And Peco Bagnaia gets a win, and Fabio Quattararo gets crashes himself twice, uh, tightening up the point standings there. Uh, NHRA raced at Norwalk, Ohio, uh, this past weekend. There were some cool uh, moments from the Goodwood Festival of Speed. Max Chilton actually looked useful for once. Uh, there were other cool cars that took play that went there. Pikes Peak Hill Climb. Um, as we're getting close, of course, to July the 4th, um, Pikes Peak Hill Climb took place. Issues with fog uh, slowed the field down relative to what they've done in recent years. We'll preview Formula E at Marrakesh uh, this coming weekend. Some news has come down in regards to some of the drivers that may be there, will be there. McLaren um, has a new partner um, that will sponsor their Formula E program and their extreme e program saudi funded which is convenient since their sport washing goes to not only golf which live golf will be playing this weekend in portland but then there'll be also sport washing in formula one uh with uh, their sponsorship there formula two formula three and w series all return at silverstone formula three and w series is going to have a busy month ahead uh, Formula 2 just kind of going with their flow. Their schedule has a little bit more flow compared to the other two. Uh, we'll preview the British Grand Prix uh, for Formula 1. IndyCar at Mid-Ohio this coming weekend. Cup and Xfinity will be at Road America. Uh, Josh will do his thing with the Sim segment, and then we'll close the deal. Uh, I'd be remiss before we get into um, you know the racing, of course. For me, I was more focused on the Colorado Avalanche First time in 21 years that they've won the Stanley Cup. I was um, I was a young guy back then. I was in high school the last time freaking Avalanche won the Stanley Cup. Joe Sackick was on the ice as a player, not the GM. The last time the Avalanche won the Stanley Cup, Patrick Wall, my favorite player, was the goaltender. And Peter Forsberg, uh, he had so many great players. Ray Ray Bork, um, the legend from Boston retired after that um we had rob blake from the la kings you know we had so many great players back then and uh, beat the new jersey devils which was just huge and then this this uh, moment with this crew the the core group with nathan mckinnon who they drafted they were dead last in the league a few years ago gabriel landeskog who's been the captain for 10 years you know and has fought through all this losing uh, McKinnon, they drafted one overall. They lost out on many guys that have starred in the league because they didn't win the lottery, but they got McKinnon. They got Kale McCarr, who won the Norris Trophy for best defensive player last week, and then won the Conn Smythe Trophy yesterday for the best player in the playoffs. And he's 23 years old, and he's one of like three guys that's ever done that um, at that age or whatever, which is just insane. Um, they Arturi Lekkinen gets the game winner, guy they picked up in the trade deadline. A lot of great trade deadline players that they got there. They sold off some of their future for this year, but in the grand scheme of things, their core is there and it's been there. 
And yeah, they're going to have to see how they're going to sign certain people like Nazem Kadri and the like. Um, Darcy Kemper, who was a goalie that was able to get us over the hump. Um, you know, but he got hurt and uh, our backup was able to play well in the Western Conference Finals and get us through there, Francois. So, I mean, there's a whole lot to talk about. Hockey, of course, now goes into their off season. The Stanley Cup has already been damaged before they even had, barely had it for a few seconds. And it's already got damaged, so it's kind of funny. But every single one of them guys gets to celebrate with the Cup. Um, Nathan McKinnon gets to go and show his boy uh, Sidney Crosby that he can win one too. So um, it's a pretty big deal um, for me as a fan. I'm probably gonna waste a lot of money on merch because it hasn't happened in 21 years. So I'm likely going to have some of that championship merch, get a Kale McCarr jersey here as we get um, going because that MFR can play, man. Um, but it was huge, you know, um, just the anxiety of that whole deal. They lost game five on Friday, and it was a bummer. But I kind of felt, and it's funny, I was talking to the beautiful Katie Mox on uh, Instagram, and I was talking about how nervous I was about it gutting in a game five, which was a closeout game. And she's like, well, yeah, I think they're going to win game five, but I think Colorado's going to win game six. So, uh, well, Katie Mox is right. You should listen to her podcast. She's on Omaha Productions. So Moxie bets. So I'm doing free promotion for a beautiful woman that does a podcast and knows her stuff. So in part because she was right. She went and predicted that uh, Colorado would go and win uh, game six and win the Stanley Cup and uh, by golly, she was right, and I'm very happy. So um, we have the hockey. The Yankees are, are the best team in baseball, 11 games up. Aaron Judge freaking fucked that Houston Astros in the ass with a with a three-run shot in the 10th yesterday uh, to win his, get a second walk-off in four days. Um, every home run, I think, is at least a million dollars. He has 28 home runs so far this year, hoping he'll w- hit like 70 or something, 60 or 70 home runs. Uh, the Yankees, every home run is going to cost them more because they have to sign him. So he's the MVP of baseball right now uh, for how good he is. So baseball's looking good. Hockey, they finally win again. I don't give a crap about basketball anymore. And football, of course, I do. And we're going to definitely get into that here in a month's time when training camp really starts taking off. Um, there's a lot of positive positivity and hope and energy going for both of our squads, I mean, for Jacksonville, five years since they were on the precipice of getting to the Super Bowl with a, one of the best defenses there has been in a while, and a lot of those players have contributed elsewhere to some great defenses. And um, some of their offensive players now are uh, in that from that team are now across the NFL too. But you have Trevor Lawrence, and then in the Niners' case, we have Trey Lance. So um, two of the best young talents in the league. Um, and, and a great coach, legend, uh, head, head coach that's won a Super Bowl in, in Jacksonville and a guy who has a lineage um, to that, has the lineage of Super Bowls and has been there and seven minutes away uh, from a Super Bowl a couple years ago, takes this team, takes a team last year and gets to a few minutes of another Super Bowl. So times are bright, at least on the sports side. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll go with that and we'll get into that more, but it was a huge uh, night as a sports fan for me 
to watch the Colorado Avalanche win. And uh, once that was over and I changed over from the uh, celebration, the race was still on and um, William Clyde Elliott had uh, snuck around uh, the leading contenders there, the likes of Martin Truex and Kyle Busch, and uh, was uh, able to lead the last, looks like last 42 laps of the race to... It says K. Bush, but the problem is there's Kurt Bush and Kyle Bush. Yeah, Yeah, that's the whole point. Like the they in lead changes, they don't bother to emphasize that, which is not good. But William Clyde Elliott, the second takes his second win of the 2022 season. Um, 42 laps led the last 42 laps of the race last night, finished after midnight there. Um, Kurt Bush finished second. Ryan Blaney third. Kyle Larson, the defending race winner, and of course, defending series champion, finished fourth. Ross Chastain gets another top five finish uh, for uh, track house racing. Danny Hamlin started on pole, led the most laps, finished sixth. Uh, uh, let's see, Sindrick from 24th to 7th. Christopher Bell, 8th. Joey Logano, 9th. Kevin Harvick, 10th. Eric Jones finished 11th, even though his car was on fire for a little bit. Bubba Wallace from 30th to 12th even with all the pit road issues, tells you how fast that car was. Um, Martin Truex Jr. won both stages, led 82 laps, and uh, Buddy finished 22nd. Kyle Busch came from 36th, scored stage points in both stages, led twice for 54 laps, but finished 21st. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's the main pieces. I mean, Byron had issues. Bowman wrecked early in the race. Chase Briscoe and Frickin' Ty Dillon got into it, and um, Briscoe's whole weekend was a disaster anyways. I mean, his wife made a horrendous comment about a certain topic that's uh, very uh, big in our, our society these days relative to what her and her fan, what her and her husband have had to deal with in regards to having a child, and um, she had to close her freaking account. Um, that should tell you, you know, bad takes, but then Brad Keselowski had another bad take, and it kind of makes sense that he... He's running as bad as he is, too. So uh, that's beside the point. But, Josh, yeah, Clyde goes and wins. He's going to a road course here this coming weekend that he's won at. Um, momentum would be on his side, but it wasn't as straightforward as that as it seems for William Clyde Elliott II. Yeah, no, it wasn't uh, straightforward. And um, it, it seemed like at the beginning of the race when it was running at the scheduled time, daytime, you know, they really weren't. Um, anywhere near the lead, really. I mean, I think they were running in the top 10, like kind of like on the edge of the top five, but they they didn't really, um, you know, have that competitiveness like uh, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr. had, had shown uh, early on in that race. And they, you know, they were able to basically take advantage of the rainfall uh, and, and cautions to be able to uh, take the lead um, you know, towards the end of the race. And, you know, they were able to keep the lead and, you know, drive, you know, keep on driving you know to the end uh, on you know at the lead and they were able to survive a couple of restarts uh survive battling Kyle Busch for the lead and Danny Hamlin uh then you know they were able to take he was able to take the lead and keep it on the final restart against uh, uh Kurt Busch there so it was uh, definitely a uh, interesting race um for sure i mean we talked about it before the open there with uh the last caution Joe Gibbs, uh, Gibbs Racing, they went and decided to pit for some weir- weird reason, uh, gave up a lot of track position. You know, I think maybe the thinking there, in my opinion, was you know, you're know you hoping to get better tires than 
uh, Chase Elliott, you know, hoping that overcomes any disadvantage in, in dirty air and also hoping that very few cars uh, stay out. And that didn't really happen. You had basically they got shuffled out of the top 10. And when that happens, a track that's like you know, hard to pass. Uh, it's very difficult to make it back up to the lead, and um, I mean, Danny Hamlin was able to get back to, but um, he's able to get back to sixth place. So it did kind of work, and as far as you know, scoring a top ten, but you know, ultimately they're trying to go for wins. Uh, so you know, they uh, un- unable to break through and get that third victory, which would put them at the uh, most wins for the season. So. Uh, now they're all tied with uh, Chase Elliott, Ross Chastain, William Byron uh, for uh, the lead in terms of wins uh, overall in the season. Uh, so bad gamble there. But of course, you know when you have multiple wins, you can afford it uh, being able uh, to do that with uh, the playoff system in the Cup Series. So uh, that's, I guess, the strategy there for uh, Denny Hamlin. Of course, uh, it was also a strategy for uh, Martin Truex Jr. And uh, he ran up front, led 82 laps, and came home in 22nd. And Kyle Busch coming home in 21st. So uh, two cars that were up in the top five, uh, top ten at the end of the race uh, ended up not finishing uh, in the top ten and outside of the top 20 because uh, they took a bad gamble on pit stops. So, um, yeah, very unfortunate strategy there. And it seemed like, um, you know, they were very, uh, I guess, different than what they would normally be because it seemed like they were taking kind of a short strategy on pitting. They were one of the first cars to pit. Uh, Denny Hamlin and Truex Jr. on the what was assumed to be the uh, the final uh, stint of the race on pit stops. They were one of the first cars to peel off and go onto pit road. So um, a little bit different than what people had thought they had um, might be doing. And I mean, it did seem to kind of work, but then you know the cautions went against them. So um, you know they tried to play it differently there and uh, ended up losing there. And then of course their satellite team twenty three eleven racing the. 23, I think he was also one of the first cars uh, to pit uh, on that final sequence. And then uh, the 45 stayed out and was able to uh, hedge that into, you know, being up front with uh, Chase Elliott there at, at the very end. But uh, Bubba Wallace, um, I think he had probably one of the best cars, uh, if not maybe one of the best, yeah, the best car uh, that whole race weekend. And, you know, they were only able to get 12th place best finish. Car in practice. Yeah, that's true. They had the fastest car. And that's kind of what I put my eye on this weekend because, you know, they had that uh, fast slap in the first practice, didn't qualify too well, and started in the, way in the back in 30th. And, you know, kind of kept my eye on him, uh, you know, throughout the beginning portion of the race, trying to see if he would move up through the field. And, um, you know, he's able to get up into the top 10 uh, relatively quickly and um, got up to think maybe like fifth or sixth place uh, before the rains. And then, you know, after, after all that happened, they kind of fell back. And of course they you know, had a loose wheel, which, you know, they recovered from and they got back up to about like 11th place there. Um, but then they uh, got caught, you know, on the pit stop when, and they, they, yeah, they got caught a lap down after, you know, pitting under green, uh, during that final pit sequence and they got, had to take a wave around and they got mired back in 25th and then they had to use the last caution to leapfrog back into the top 15 and then finish in 12th. So, uh, up and down day for that team. And they probably deserved to have a better finish than that, but, you know, it's still, uh, 12th place, uh, after going through all of that is probably, uh, not a bad result. So at least they kind of salvaged that, uh, finish and you're able to um you know a 25 or 25th place finish is certainly better than uh 23rd or 25th so uh, you know 12th place finish sorry 12th place finish is better than a 
21st or 22nd place finish. So, uh, better, better, uh, something than nothing for, uh, that team. So, uh, you seeing the speed that the Toyotas, uh, have, they just, um, need to be able to, I guess, have a better strategy and be able to, you know, maximize, uh, the results that they get. Of course, that's what Kurt Busch, uh, did and certainly had a chance to maybe get something from Chase Elliott, but, um, maybe went against, uh, his better instinct and ended up settling for second there. So, uh, I think this race, there's a lot of, uh, passing, uh, throughout the field. Um, even though, yeah, track position was important, uh, especially on a track like this. Um, I mean, you did see the drivers really having to drive, uh, the car and, uh, throughout the corners and, um, being able to make moves. And there's a, you know, a bunch of, uh, three wide racing, uh, at different points during the race. Um, you know, there was a point when, uh, Ross Chastain was battling, uh, Kevin Harvick and Martin Truex Jr. Uh, for, I think second place, Kyle Busch was driving away, but, uh, that was a pretty entertaining exchange there. You know, the last sequence of racing, uh, you know, Kyle Busch, uh, Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin were all, you know, kind of battling for position and they're basically having to put slide jobs in each other to be able to pass. So, um, you know, this car continues to show the volatility throughout the field, uh, throughout each team and driver, um, and certainly a very entertaining, uh, aspect there. So, um, you know, I think, you know, we're continuing to see the product. Uh, that I guess they intended to bring out with this car on the the bigger tracks. Uh, still, jury's still out on short track racing with this car, but it seems like the bigger tracks uh, seem to perform better uh, with this car. So um, good on there. And you know, I think um, overall, I mean, it, if it weren't for the rain, um, I think people maybe would have had a little bit more better positive outlook uh, on this race, of course. And then um, you, know, you talk about Brad Keselowski, running poorly i mean they were they were up there you know towards the end they got up to the top 10 i think and they were kind of in that that range you know top 15 top 10 and then they got crashed uh after the final restart and they uh yeah the six car was kind of you know he was going but he was way off the pace and on the apron and it does you know put into question the um caution you know mentality and everything like wanting to get the race over with yeah, yeah, wanting to get the race over with, and um, you know, you saw in the last lap, he was basically like having to pull over on the grass, and he was basically at that point at a snail's crawl, essentially, while the rest of the field was zipping on by. So, uh, bad on safety aspect there, especially after you know one of the last cautions was basically um, for nothing, uh, not not that caution, but I, I think um, you know one of the yeah seventy seven possible fluid turn four, I think yeah because he blew an engine, uh, so that you know that wasn't. I mean, it wasn't as egregious as, uh, this, you know, not throwing a six car or throwing a caution for the six car being off the pace on the last lap or with two laps to go. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the consistently inconsistent, uh, you know, enforcement of, of yellow flags. Yeah, there's a debris on yeah. track caution with 40. Well, that was, laps that was the, um, the tire caution. That was the, uh, one with Chris Brusher, uh, losing a tire. So that got classified as debris, uh, 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 there, even though that was because of his, uh, incident losing a tire basically because, you know, that that's technically a debris caution. So that's why that got listed as that, but, um, yeah, and then the possible fluid leak. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can make the argument on either of those. I saw the, <clears throat> excuse me. I saw the, what's his name? Um, re what's his not reum What the hell? Um, Balicki going and blowing up. But it was like, okay, he was off the racing line. He came off the track, and it wasn't affecting anything. But the 
going in and not throwing a yellow when Brad's car is going at 10 miles an hour is, you know, typical when a Hendrick car is leading. So it, that, there was two things going on there. That was the Hendrick car is leading and it's the most popular driver. Number it's one, also number 12 a.m. And, and they, they, this has been going on for seven hours, um, six and a half hours. This has been going on since they decided the infinite wisdom of between NBC, NASCAR, and all these people. Let's start a race at 523 in the afternoon in the south, in the mid-south, where you're going to have issues with thunderstorms, lightning, and all the all that. Um, they couldn't put it on NBC because they had golf, women's golf on. Then I forget what the hell they had. They had running. They had some sort of track and field event uh, from four to five or three. Yeah. So they had to preempt the golf over to CNBC because it took so effing long because they were playing so slow. Then on USA, they had episodes of SVU from like 20 years ago on. And then they only showed half of the six hours at the Glen on TV. You had to get Peacock to see the whole race. And then after that, they they started showing SVU again. And then once it got to 10 o'clock, they moved the cup race over to USA till its conclusion. So and they got rid of NBCSN. So, I mean, I mean, they could have had they could have. I mean, there's any number of TV things we can get into why you're starting a race at 530. It's the same reason why I don't want to go to the cup race at Pocono. Because I'm not going to be there. I, I'm almost certain that I'm going to tailgate. I'm going to have a good time hanging out with people. And I'm going to be out the freaking door before that race even starts. Because I'm not even trying to stay there. Because that race is going to start at 3. They're saying it's going to start at 3.45. There's going to be rain. There's going to be something. And and I know it because it always happens at Pocono or Dover and all these northeast tracks. Which is why they're running them out the door. You blame weather. It's a fucking summer. You know that lightning, thunder, all that's going to happen. It's Ray for you, Josh, with Daytona. When they had the July the 4th race there, they'd always have qualifying in the middle of the afternoon when the thunderstorms were most likely to yep. happen. Boris yep. said got DQ, DNQ'd out of two races when he was on pole. He was on pole for, uh, he won the pole, I think, at least once for the Coke Zero 400. Yeah, that but was in 2007. The, I remember that. Or oh, it, Yeah, and then like 06, I, or 06, I felt like he qualified on pole and he lost that race to Tony. And then in 07, he had the pole and they didn't finish qualifying and he went home uh, or something like that. Like whatever it is, like that's the kind of shit that happens. But then that's NASCAR. It's just how they put the way they put themselves into these spots. And it's like, when are we going to learn, you know, like a, I mean, I get NASCAR doesn't care, obviously the Francis and all, they don't care, but it's like, you're fucking with fans. Number one, you're fucking with people who are actually spending money. who want to go there. It's hot as fuck in Nashville. And that's, they're like, Oh, that's the reason why we did it. Cause it was so hot last year and people were passing out. I'm like, well, cover the effing grandstands. I mean, I know there's some in LCD efforts like, Oh, you guys are not tough enough to deal with it. I'm like, you know what? I know what I'm dealing with in my own personal health situation. I ain't trying to go and sit there and, and die for a freaking NASCAR race. Go fuck yourself for, for a NASCAR race. If I'm going to go to the Super Bowl, okay, fine. That's fine. I did it. I have. And I basically drank enough where I, 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 could, I was basically a half-functioning character the next day anyway. But I had to get on a plane and I had to go home. But the difference is that's a Super Bowl. You're going to tell me I'm going to go to the Bumblefuck 350 and I'm going to go and sit in 100-degree weather? No. the point. I mean, come on, man. For 
40, 50, 40 something years, 45 years, whatever, 50, no, like over 55 years, they started races at one o'clock in the afternoon and you were able to do it and it worked just fine. And then Brian France came in and just ruined it all. Yeah, it's, this, it's what happens when you sell out to the TV executives and, and let a bunch of people with suits, uh, you know, run the sport or basically dictate the sport. And that's, that's why we are where we are. It used to be NASCAR was like right below all the big time sports. And then they figured out a way to bury themselves below in a lot of circles below even other motorsports. Now they're below Formula One. So what does that say? They were below Formula One and IndyCar and Formula One wasn't even here. And Formula One didn't even come back to the United States until the year 2000. At that point, NASCAR had already taken over and did all that. But they were at a point back in the early 90s where they were battling against IndyCar and losing. And when I first started watching the sport, watching motorsports. So it's like, that's where you're going. You know, who are you marketing to? Are you marketing to people that are you trying to get people to show up that are going to go and sit there and spend they're going to say, well, you should just show up later. I'm like, okay, if I show up later, I'm going to be parked in the middle of nowhere and I won't be able to experience everything the way I want to because all the stuff's going to happen earlier in the day. Or you're expecting me to come early in the morning so I can go and experience all the different things they're going to have in the midway, go to some tents, do some things, die, cast, hunt, whatever, because I'm a fan, legitimate fan, not one of these LCD morons. And you're just going to, I'm going to end up spending three quarters of my day, I'm going to spend from say eight o'clock when the track opens in the morning till three o'clock because you have no action. It's like, why the fuck would you do that? It's like, they have like a perfect example is Pocono, which we'll get into between now and the end of the, by the time we get there, Arca's running on Friday afternoon for no reason whatsoever. Who the hell cares? Who the hell's going to sit there and go to Arca race on Friday afternoon? Have like, if you're going to have like a cup practice or going to have qualifying or something, Okay, fine. And then you're going to have an ARCA race. No, you're going to have the Xfinity and the truck race on Saturday, I think. Uh, I know that. Yeah, I know the X, yeah, the truck race is a playoff race. And then Sunday is just the cup race. Put the goddamn ARCA race on at 12 o'clock. So then you get two races. I mean, albeit the ARCA race will be horrible. But the fact, because you know it'll be horrible. But at least I get to see Roger Carruth or something. I could see Nick Sanchez or some of these other people that are that are next, next talent in this sport. You make, you emphasize the, t- the talent, you emphasize a ticket. Instead, I'm going to have to go and I'm going to have to spend seven and a half hours there before I even get action. And if there's any delays, I'm fucked because I'm not going to be able to go back to the next day. It's, it's mind boggling to me how, how, how NASCAR works. It's, 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 and it's like, well, you still watch it. I'm like, well, we have a motorsports podcast, but as we've already went over here on this program earlier, um, I was preoccupied. Josh did his journalistic, uh, had the journalistic integrity to go and watch the whole deal. Um, I mean, I'm still interested in it yeah. also. So Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in it too, but I wasn't interested it's in it. It's racing at the way. end of the day. Yeah, I was interested in it, but I wasn't as interested as I would be most weekends in large part because I had an obvious reason. Um you know, so we'll we'll see what happens with that. We're in the dog days of summer here. Um, the first of 20 weeks in a row that NASCAR will be racing. So obviously we'll be talking about it every week uh, here. Um, 
um, get into the points um, right now in regards to the playoff standings. Chase Elliott has a 30-point lead on Ross Chastain overall for the uh, regular season title. Ryan Blaney's one point behind Ross Chastain in third overall, but his actual standing is 13th. Uh, it was looking like for a second there that Truex was going to end up uh, getting that win, and he would have ended up being the 13th different winner in 17 races, which would have been something. Um, right now, five drivers have won two races. Denny Hamlin is behind. Um, his actual point standings has him behind he's outside of the top 20 or he's on he's 20th in points or something like that his actual standing is 20th in points uh at 374 he's behind every other winner so far this year um which isn't but then that's actually getting really close you have Sindrick, briscoe suarez all there uh all have very um they're very close by to denny hamlin so something to see with that you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight guys ahead of guys or eight guys within that group that have not won a race. So the notion that uh, more than 16 winners could happen is still there. Um, you have 12 right now. Blaney, Truex, Bell and Harvick are your 16 drivers. Eric Almirola is nine points behind in 17th and behind Kevin Harvick for the cutoff. And then um, Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon are basically tied. Uh, 400 points for Reddick, 399 for Austin Dillon, 394 for Eric Jones. Uh, makes up the top 20 in the cup point standings. So essentially, if you are, uh, I mean, that's 40, nearly 40 points behind Eric Jones is Eric Almirola uh, from Eric Almirola. If you're outside of that, I mean, right now, uh, and you look at some of the people, Bobber, uh, who won, of course, last year, uh, Busher, who had a chance at um, at Sonoma, McDowell, who won the 500, and is having probably the best year of his career, honestly. Um, he's 19 points behind Denny Hamlin. You know, Justin Haley, the, the colleague team, they won last year with A.J. Allmendinger. Um, you know, you look at that Stenhouse who got an extension, but he's 25th in points. Um, they've had some good runs after that. Brad Keselowski is 30th in points. He is just as a, for instance, he has minus 10 playoff points because of the, the big penalty they got. Um, he is, what is it? Two, the 170, 165 points behind Tyler Reddick right now who is um, 13th overall in points. So that's, that is really uh, bad. Um, so we'll see what happens. Road Americas this weekend. Can the the Roush guys make something happen after what they found in their most recent road course testing? Uh, they both seem to do well there. Can Brad Keselowski backdoor one in the land of cows and horses since he looks like one? Um, or can Chris Busher come through and win for the first time since Pocono in 20, uh, 2016? 16. I was there at that race, uh, got fogged out. Um, Tony finished third in that race. I'm trying to, I forget who finished second, but Tony finished third in that race. Um, so I was pretty happy about that. Um, get into the Xfinity 
the race there. They um, had the Tennessee Lottery 250, which um, seized uh, Justin Allgaier get a win, get another win this season. They haven't posted the points yet, which is interesting. Um, I don't know why the heck they haven't posted the points yet. But um, Justin Allgaier is your winner. And yeah, there's driver points. There you go. So Allgaier wins over Trevor Bain, Riley Herbst, who qualified on pole, Ty Gibbs, Sam Mayer, and Ryan Priest was driving for BJ McLeod in a Stuart Haas prepared vehicle, finished sixth. Jeffrey Earnhardt finished seventh uh, for Sam Hunt Racing. Austin Hill, Ryan Sieg, and Brett Moffitt uh, finished in the top ten. Brandon Brown. Finished 10th or 11th. Parker Retzlaff finished 12th. Uh, Gagson 13th. Bruckshot Jones 14th. Stephen Parsons 15th. And AJ Allmendinger, who led the second most laps in the race, finished 16th. Uh, so uh, it, pretty much it was Justin Allgaier led both, won both stages. Max Max points here. Um, great, great job by him. Uh, just destroying the field, continuing the domination of junior motorsports. And as a Dale Jr. fan and all that, Josh, uh, that was pretty cool on their part. Sam Mayer getting into it with Ty Gibbs uh, was also interesting. Uh, there was, you know, it was kind of like the side, the side stories were like Bain, he's from Tennessee to go and win in Nashville would have been huge coming back and all talking about his career or resurgence and actually wanting to drive. Ty Gibbs wasn't the fastest car out there by any stretch of imagination, but he was up there for the first time in a while. Merrill looked like he had a good piece. Gagson was doing his best. Uh, Tim Richmond prior he got prior to getting hit, uh impression with the mullet and the whole bit. I mean, there that was basically uh, Junior Motorsports and uh, Justin Allgaier benefit there. And in terms of the points, he gets himself into the mix a little bit. Um, now only 32 points behind A.J. Allmendinger um, in overall for that uh, 15 playoff points, which would be huge because right now the top five are very close in regards to in regard in top five in regards to overall points are all relatively close in playoff points too. 75 in overall points and their playoff points are only separated by six. So AJ, AJ Allmendinger really needs those 15 playoff points because he's the lowest uh, amount at the moment. But we're going to have multiple road courses coming along, so that might go in his favor. Uh, but yeah, Allgaier wins and inserts himself right into the conversation um, as a championship contender, along with his uh, two of his teammates in, um, in uh, Gregson and Barry and even to a lesser extent, his other teammate and Sam Mayer. Uh, Junior Motorsports has their stuff on deck right now, uh, Josh. Yeah, I mean, it was an interesting uh, weekend for the uh, seven team. The, I, I talked about it in our preview on you know on Friday, talking about the race, and um, I think I said Ty Gibbs, I picked him, but I said, you know, look out for Justin Algar. He's good on these concrete racetracks and, you know, certainly turned out to um, be a, a good, you know, good thought there, Uh Especially, you know, he went out and won the first two stages and had no problem being able to uh, battle through it and go out and win the the overall race. 
um, had to, you know, there were some points where had to fight Ty, uh, Ty Gibbs um, and battle him. But, you know, w- once he got through with that, he was able to uh, go out and win the race. Uh, so, yes, pretty successful weekend for uh, Justin Algar and the number seven team. Uh, and Trevor Brain uh, continuing to um, post solid fi- finishes in his uh, limited uh, seat time in the 18 car. Um, AJ Allmendinger won the pole, but, uh, you know, he didn't really do much. Uh, with it, and then you know, ended up finishing outside of the top ten in sixteenth, or he was w- started second then, uh, but he was you know up there uh, for most of the race, and then ended up finishing in sixteenth. So uh, kind of went away from him there, especially leading forty three laps uh, in that race. Uh, I think uh, yeah, Riley Herbst also had a, a pretty good weekend, uh, although he you know didn't um, you know he, well he finished uh, third, so yeah he was. He was up there, though he didn't lead any laps uh, starting on pole. So, um, you know, he was able to battle uh, A.J. Almendinger at certain points uh, throughout the race. Um, and then uh, Ty Gibbs uh, got into it with Sam Mayer. I don't think Sam Mayer made any contact initially, got him loose. You know, just um, the, you know, his air off the spoiler kind of deal. And, um, you know, they made contact as he was spinning. So it saved him from uh, causing a caution and also from crashing. So uh, they were able to continue there and, um, I guess this time they didn't get into it afterwards on on the racetrack or you know on pit road. So uh, I guess yeah they will fight that battle a different day, but uh, not really the same deal I guess as it was in Martinsville. But uh, Sam Sam Mayer had a good run as well, um, and so did Ryan Priest, and it was a bit of a recovery there after Josh Berry spun out and kind of got collected into that, but you know managed to come back for Ryan Priest, come back and finish sixth uh, there. Uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt, I think, is a bit of a surprise in the 26 car. Um, not only a car you see up there in the top 10, but you know he's able to go up there and drive the car up into the top 10. Uh, started 11th, so um, had a pretty good start to the race, and he was able to keep it there and finish in seventh. So um, pretty good finish uh, for that team and for him. You know, being on a, a limited schedule, uh, possibly get more uh, seat time there. Uh, Parker Reds left. Good race for him, uh, finishing 12th. So solid race. Uh, there, so um, think um, I think another team that we probably need to start talking about is a team that could be on the downside is uh, Colleg Racing. Uh, both of them finished outside the top ten in the ten car and uh, the eleven. Daniel Hemrick and Landon Castle. Um, they I think they were you know kind of towards like the top ten at the beginning of the race, but uh, they you know faded and then ended up finishing a lap down seventeenth and eighteenth, and just haven't had the speed. Uh, you know I think. Even Almendinger hasn't really seemed quite as good this year as he was last year. And I think, uh, you know, maybe they're starting to spread themselves a little bit too thin. You know, they went and got up into the Cup Series, two cars running there, you know, one rotating seat and then the other full time with Justin Haley. So I wonder if um, maybe the resources going there are beginning to pull away uh, or hinder their performance on the Xfinity side. Um, And I think, you know, this year you're kind of seeing that. I mean, I think, you know, Almendinger is still. Uh, you know, running up there up front, but I think they're, you know, that's all on talent and crew strategy and not sure it's all on speed because I haven't really seen them, you know, being flat out as good as they were last year overall. So, uh, you know, I think that's, you know, one thing to consider as we uh, move forward, especially, you know, for uh, AJ Almendinger, um, how long can he keep this points lead for? He's, you know, currently the points leader in the series, but uh, that could change here in the next couple of weeks, you know, depending on, you know, how well they're able to run low, uh, relative to the field. So pressure is going to be on him to, you know, be able to 
maximize uh, his points uh, situation uh, as we you know get closer and closer to the end of the uh, regular season in the Xfinity series and transfer you know into the uh, playoffs for the series. So it's going to be one thing to look at there, uh, you know, as we watch and monitor the uh, championship fight uh, for the the title. As you mentioned, there's you know five cars right now that or five you know drivers that could uh, potentially win this uh, regular season deal. So you'll have to see how it all plays out. Yeah, the, right now I agree with you with colleague and uh, and especially spreading yourself too thin. Their cup effort is not exactly the greatest. They've had their moments here and there, but is it at the expense of the Xfinity program, which had been very very good? Um, but to be honest, they were very centric towards plate racing and road courses. Outside of that they weren't exactly doing a whole lot of work at tracks generally. Yeah, all I, I you could go back to last year, AJ won uh, Atlanta. AJ won before it became a shithole super speedway. Then he won at Bristol. Okay, fine, completely, or finished second, whatever, at Bristol. I think it was something like they were wrecking off the final corner there, but they were running up front. But you think about what Haley was doing. He wasn't doing a whole lot. And then Jeb Burton, they decided they didn't even want him no more. And I mean, if you listen to look at social media, he <laughs> he gets a lot of heat these days uh, for his driving now. So it's kind of a rough time for him. But um, college racing right now, they have to figure out what they really want out of this deal. Um, I mean, all three drivers right now, generally points wise, are going to make it. It's very hard to fathom people behind them going and moving up and backdooring wins. Um, this is an opportunity race this coming weekend at Road America uh, in the in this calendar to see if they'll be able to do something. I mean, right now the points, Allmendinger has a 25-point lead on Gibbs, 32 on Allgaier, 42 on Gregson, 75 on Josh Berry. Um, all of them have at least two wins. Ty Gibbs has three. Um Gibbs has 18 playoff points. As I mentioned before, AJ Allmendinger has 12. Um, everybody else is within that range. After that, you don't have anybody with more than six playoff points. That's Brockshot Jones, who has uh, one win. Um, Austin Hill has one win. Um, Hamrick has two stage wins, which are both from Daytona, and he hasn't really done much else since. Um, Sam Maris, two stage wins. You look at the point standings right now. Um, Sieg is 69 points, 69, um, ahead of Anthony Alfredo for the cutoff. Um, that's essentially what it is. Myatt Snyder, if he had won at Portland a f- couple weeks ago, that could have played a big uh, part. Sheldon Creed uh, had a qual- good qualifying, but wasn't able really to make anything happen. The RCR... Um, the RCR uh, situation on the Xfinity side um, isn't as good as it has been, but I think it's probably akin to them trying to emphasize their cup effort because neither of their drivers are locked in and they're supplying other teams. So maybe that's an effect in general because RCR is supplying so many teams and it might be a big effect for all of them. But in terms of Gibbs, they aren't really running all that great either recently. Um, Ty is now starting to get his comeuppance, but his he doesn't have any support because Bruckshot Jones is terrible. The 18 car is not a full-time car, so they don't really have the support there. 
there's no Ford teams out there either. So the only team that really looks pretty solid at the moment is Junior Motorsports, which is to the benefit of the teams that can actually keep that momentum going. Barry has had a lot of rough moments. It's similar to what happened to him last year in his um, limited schedule, too. He would have his moments where he dominated, he'd have great runs, and then he'd have horribleness. Um, you know, you have Gagson, who's there for box office and to go and get the LCD to go and follow. But is he really a finisher? Is he really a closer? Um, Sam Mayer is still trying to figure it out. It all feeds into Justin Allgaier. And it's like, at what point, you know, you've been in the Xfinity series 12, 13, 14 years or whatever the hell it's been. Or better, like basically, I I remember him debuting in Xfinity like in 09. Yeah, it was in 09 after he won the ARCA championship after Scott Speed and O. Richard wrecked each other at Toledo. And then he's he was there with Penske. Penske got rid of him. Uh, he was with Turner Motorsport, which is where the whole brand agriculture sponsorship started. And hence his whole career has been with Brandt uh, ever since. Is it his time? I mean, he's going to be there. This is his career. He's got like the whole Jason Keller, Tommy Houston, you know, those guys that were Randy LaJoy, all those people that spent a lot of their time many years in the Xfinity Bush series, just as a, just to name a few, you know, you know, you think about late model sportsman, Jack Ingram, Hall of Famer, um, Harry Gant, um, I'm, I'm trying to forget who I'm remembering, Sam Ard. You know, that's where we're getting with Justin Allgaier at this point. So can he join some of those great names as a champion? Or will he stay as one of those names that hasn't won um, and beat some of the talent that theoretically is moving up the ladder? Josh Berry has voiced a willingness and want to go up to Cup. Uh, Gagson, for better or worse, seemingly has got a path up there. Um, I think there's a couple other people that are on that list there. Gibbs, of course, is going to go up the cup. Mayor's likely going up there. There's a few other people that may have a chance here, but we'll see what happens with that. They'll be running this weekend, of course, at Road America. So we will see what comes off with that. 41 cars for 38 spots. So um, there'll be a little bit of intrigue in qualifying relative to the cup series. Uh, Let's get into the roundup here. Uh, First part will be um, Tony Stewart going and winning his first race of 2022 in the SRX C- series over uh, former um, combatant in 2005 championship Greg Biffle and then his longtime teammate Bobby Labani in third and no neck finished fourth. Helio Castroneves ran over Paul Tracy in one of the heats uh, and then finished fifth. Tony Kanaan sixth. Ernie Francis Jr. 7th. Marco Andretti had a better car than where he finished. He was way better than than 8th. Ryan hunter who hit a lot of stuff, uh, finished 9th. Uh, Peyton Sellers, the uh, local local hero, finished 10th. Last car who did finish. Michael Waltrip was in the garage. and um, He got sent by Ryan hunter He got sent by Ryan hunter and probably sent him a pink dildo for that. And then Paul Tracy went and sent a bra to um, uh, Elio Castro Neves and I don't know how many other people that hit him. Hunter Ray hit him too. Um, I, there's so many people to get pleasure out of watching Paul Tracy um, finish dead last in every SRX race. 
and uh, I get it too. It's probably part of the reason why Tommy Kendall will never come on the show uh, because I'm one of those people who gets a kick out of watching Paul Tracy get his ass kicked um, because it's karma. Um, so I'm just going to go and see if we can go and get, they still haven't posted the, the points yet because their points are kind of goofy. They have the points from Five Flags. Uh, they don't have the points up because it's USAC, so it makes sense. Uh, they don't have the points, so we'll uh, hopefully have them for you next week because they'll be racing at Stafford, Connecticut uh, this coming uh, weekend for the next uh, round of the SRX. And um, Sexy Lindsay Zorniak will be a part of that uh, broadcast and the great Willie T. Ribs. I don't know what he's going to be doing. He won't be eating bologna burgers or whatever. He was interviewing some guy who had been there from the beginning of uh, South Boston Speedway and stuff. And got to love Willie T. Ribs. He don't yeah, really add much. His, his interviews uh, were good. Yeah, his commentary is interesting. He's uh, short and sweet, and he uses his uh, vernacular and all that. So you got to love him. Uh, Philippe Albuquerque and Ricky Taylor held off uh, – Acura teammates Tom Blomquist and Oliver Jarvis. So the Wayne Taylor, Konica Minolta Acura beat the uh, Meyer Shank, uh, Sirius XM uh, Acura to go. And uh, they made a big pass in the bus stop chicane there, um, the inner loop to go and get that victory at the sale in six hours at the Glen. Huge win for them. Retake the points lead in the process. Renger Van de Zanda and Sebastian Bourdais finished third in the uh, Ganassi 01. Their teammates, Earl Bamba and Alex Lynn, finished fourth. And then the 31 Whalen Engineering team with Olivier Pla, Pippo Durrani, and Mike Conway finished fifth. Sixth place, a lap down, was the number 48 with Mike Rockefeller, Kamue Kobayashi, and Jimmy Johnson. Two laps down was the JDC Miller Motorsport team with Tristan Valtier, Richard Westbrook, Loic Duval. They announced that their uh, JDC Miller has announced that they're going to be racing with uh, Porsche. They're going to be one of the uh, teams that is a customer a team of Porsche for the Porsche 963 program. Um, I I saw one of the um, big time LMP2 uh, competitors in Europe will also be. A, a customer team in the LMDH slash GTP um, deal there. So uh, Porsche Penske Motorsports has two of their customers set up for next year there. Uh, ben Keating gets another victory. Uh, the wins team, they had a battle there right to the line. Ben Keating, Mikkel Jensen, Scott Huffaker in the number 52 car wins LMP2 over John Frano, Louis Del Ferrano, Louis Deltraz, and Rui Andrade Andrade or Andrade, whatever, my fault. Um there was a little bit of argy bargy that went on between the twenty nine and the twenty car that sent um one of the uh G T D cars the the number I'm trying to find it, the number thirty nine uh car I think it was a number 39 car into the fence at the toe of the boot of um, Jeff Westfall, Corey Lewis, and Robert McGinnis. Those two guys were bouncing off each other and then took out that 39 Lamborghini. Uh, Till 
Bechtelsheimer, who's connected uh, to the uh, Lola. They bought up, he bought up Lola, so they're going to bring that back. Uh, him, Mario Farnbacher, and Kiffin Simpson in the GTD with an Acura had issues. Um, LMP3 stood out with uh, a lot of their poor performances. Uh, the 40, I'm trying to find that Ferrari, that one that was basically a moving chicane um, 47 car. That's what it was. Yeah. Lacorte, Cerna, Giotto, and Fuco. They were a moving chicane in this race, too. So I don't know how the hell they're allowed, but whatever, I guess. Um, in LMP3, the uh, 74 Ranch Resort team of uh, Gar Robinson, Felipe Fraga, and Kay Van Birlo win the six hours. They win by a lap over John Bennett, Colin Brown, George Kurtz for um, the Core Autosport. And then the Andretti Autosport team uh, finished third um, on the same lap as the Core team, Jared Andretti, Gabby Chavez, Josh Burdon. So that those were cars that were actually not absolute weapons out there. The BMW number 25 of Connor Filippi and or John Edwards and uh, Aguso Farfis crossed the line as the winner. And they were followed by, what is it, five GTD cars. So that's interesting. It shows you how close the categories are these days. Um, may have played, I think, the the rain delay, the lightning delay also might have played a part in that in regards to the lap count. Um, they won GTD Pro yesterday. Russell Ward, Philip Ellis, Marvin Deans, and a Mercedes won GTD. But both of them got disqualified for drive time infractions. So the um, harder racing Aston Martin team took the victory in both classes. The number 27 GTD car, the AM car, was the winner with Roman DeAngelis, Maxime Martin, and Ian James. And then with uh, the McLaren finishing second and uh, the BMW from Turner Motorsports uh, finishing third. The GTD Pro of Ross Gunn and Alex Riberas from Heart of Racing wins GTD Pro over the Daniel, Sarah, David, Rigon, Arisi Competizioni Ferrari. Um, uh, for people I want me to forget in the pronunciations, I'm not fucking Bob Varsha. I'm sorry, but I do a pretty good job relative to other people. Um, the the FAF Motorsports Porsche, Matt Campbell, Matthew Jaminet ends up finishing third in class. There are a bunch of bunch of GTD cars that were ahead of the GTD Pro field, which is, I mean, it helps when there was only um, three cars at on the lead lap theoretically for their class. And then there was a bunch that were a lap down. Uh, so that's what happened with that. Um, the number one BMW Paul Miller racing qualified in on pole for the GTD category. Uh, I'm trying to remember who qualified on pole for GTD pro. I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, next they'll be racing this coming weekend at, uh, Mossport for the first time, uh, since pre pandemic. So I'll be big. Uh, we'll see what happens with that, considering that it's only um, deep, whatever, the DPI, LMP3, GTD Pro, and GTD categories, uh, 27 cars, the usual suspects, the four Cadillacs, two Acuras, 
Cadillac's already throwing a white flag up in regards to um, their chances, even though, you know, there's BOP, track-specific BOP. Seven entries in LMP3 at the moment are Robinson and Scott Andrews in the 74, John Minnick, Colin Braun uh, in the core autosport car. Then you have um, Jared Andretti, Gabby Chavez, solid lineup there. Jao Barbosa, Lance Wilsey in the Sean Creek Motorsports 33. Ali Ballou, Garrett Grist in the JR3 Racing number 30. Or, Ori Fidani and Kyle Marcelli, AWA number 13. Anthony Mantella, Matt Bell, 47 Motorsports number 7 there. Uh, then you get in the GT Pro, GTD Pro. Will um, we don't know who the other driver will be with Ben Barnacote in the number fourteen for Vassar Sullivan Lexus. But you'll have the three from Corvette Racing, the nine from FAF Motorsports Porsche, and a home race. Ross Gunn, Alex Riberos trying to get two in a row. The harder racing Aston, Connor DeFilippi, John Edwards, uh, BMW, RLL. Cooper McNeil, Daniel Yunkadella in the uh, WeatherTech Racing Mercedes. Eight entries from GTD, uh, Robert McGinnis, Jeff Westfall, Arbon by Peregrine Racing Lamborghini. We'll see if they're able to get their car repaired and ready for that. Roman DeAngelis, Maxime Martin going, uh, trying to get two in a row for them as well. Uh, you have the Sellers and Snow, Paul Miller Racing, BMW, Frankie Montecalvo, Aaron Tielitz, Vassar Sullivan, Lexus, Ryan Hardwick, Jan Halen, Wright Mar- Motorsports, Porsche, Ryan Eversley, Aiden Reed, Rick Rare Racing, Acura, Russell Ward, Philip Ellis, Winward Racing, Mercedes, trying to recover after their penalty, and Robbie Foley, Bill Oberlin, Turner Motorsports, BMW, making up the field. We'll uh, go over that um, here next week, whenever we do our show from Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. Uh, okay, so let me just um, take a second here. So MotoGP took place in Assen uh, last week. Saw Pecco Bagnaia go and get the victory. Fabio Quattararo, um crashes twice and then um, costs him a chance. So... In the end, we have Pecco Bagnaia wins over Marco Basecki, uh, who runs for the VR46. So Valentino Rossi's team gets their first podium. And Maverick Vinales gets a podium for Aprilia. Um, Alicia Spargo, who's a victim of uh, Fabio Quattararo, uh, ends up fourth. Brad Binder, fifth. Jack Miller, Jorge Martin. Joanne Mir, Miguel Oliveira, Alex Rins make up your top 10. In the end, Quattro crashed himself out along with fellow Yamahas, Darren Binder, Franco Morbidelli, Raul Fernandez on the KTM there as well. Um, Lorenzo Salvadori on an, on a, a I guess, a, a, what do you call, wildcard Aprilia, finished dead last uh, behind Remy Gardner, Stefan Brattle, and the sort. So, Standings going into the next race, which will be in um, in uh, in Great Britain and Silverstone. They have a break. I think they have a month break now. They have their summer break. Fabio Quattararo is 21 points ahead of Alicia Spargaro, and it's basically between those two guys. Johan Zarco is uh, well behind that, basically 60, 50, just 
under 60 points behind in third. He's got an eight-point lead on Peko Bagnaya, who has won three times this year, but has a bunch of non-point scores. Anea Bastaini, who has three wins this year, also um, is fifth. And that's if I don't get how Bestaini is the one, unless he's getting moved up. I guess he's getting moved up to the big team. That's what it has to be. He's getting he's getting the call up, and they're keeping Fabio DG Antonio with. Okay, I guess that's what it is. Um, that's the top five. Those Zarco, Bagnaya, Bastaini, third through fifth. And then you go Binder and Miller, Joanne Mir, Alex Rins, Miguel Oliveira. Uh, you have a pretty close battle, 17 points from 8th to 13th in points. Uh, but really, the championship is between Ali Chispargo and Fabio Quattararo, who's going to win that. Uh, in terms of the team's battle, Aprilia actually has the lead over both Yamaha and Ducati by uh, 16 points. So that's something that'll be interesting. I mean, Ducati definitely is going to win the Constructors because they have more bikes than... Yamaha only has four, and they only have one competitive bike. Aprilia has two, and generally only has one. Uh, So that that basically makes it up, makes the whole deal there. Um, In regards to um, Moto2... The results from the last race saw Gusto Fernandez win over Ayagura and Jake Dixon. Celestino Vietti finished fourth, um, and Bo Ben Ben Snyder, whatever the hell his name is, finished fifth. Joe Roberts finished eighth, and then um, trying to get through here, Sean Dillon Sean Dillon Kelly finished nineteenth. Um, Cameron Bobier DNF'd with a crash. Standings. Going into the summer break, Celestino Vietti is now tied with Augusto Fernandez for the points lead, and Ayagura is only a point back. So now it's actually really interesting. For a while, it looked like uh, Celestino Vietti was in good shape, and then he had those offs, a couple of offs here recently. Um, Fernandez has won three of the last five races, you know, while um, in the same time, uh, Vietti's won one out of the last five, and uh Two top five finishes and two um, non-point scores. Joe Roberts is still in sixth. He's only seven points out of fifth, and uh, he's 19 points out of fourth. But um, right now it's going to be tough for him unless he goes on a run to make anything happen. Um, Bobier in a battle, he's only 15 points out of 12th, uh, but he's um, you know hasn't scored he didn't score there this weekend, and he had a bunch of points, non-point scores recently in in the middle there. Uh, he's 15th in points, and then Sean Dillon Kelly, of course, uh, 29th. So they'll be on their summer break here. Um, they won't be back until August in regards to um, their situation there um, for the MotoGP and Moto2. Hopefully they'll all stay healthy and everything will be good. In regards to that, we'll get into the NHRA. Um, they're getting into the Western Swing here shortly. Um, they're winners at uh, Norwalk Summit Racing Equipment Motorsports Park. Mike Salinas gets his fourth win of the year in Top Fuel. Robert Height and Funny Car Enders and Pro Stock. And Angel Sampe wins her uh, 46th career 
uh, Pro Stock Motorcycle Race. Chris Thorne, Pro Mod, Bill Skillman, and Factory Stock in a Mustang. Um, that was that over there. The standings going into the next race. Mike Salinas takes a points lead by 12 over Brittany Force. Um, Steve Torrance and Justin Ashley are just over five rounds behind. And then the points get really crazy after that. Um, outside of the top 10 at the moment are Antron Brown and Tony Schumacher, who have 11 championships amongst the, those two. So that's pretty big. You know, Leah Pruitt actually got past the two of them. I don't know how the points work now. I think everybody, as long as you show up to every race and make at least a couple of qualifying runs or at least one qualifying run, you're in the playoff, but you need to, you're going to be well behind um, in regards to the seeding, in regards to that. So uh, they haven't even gotten to halfway through the season either, which is crazy. Um, Robert Height, with his fourth win of the year, overtakes Matt Hagen. They're only, that's 21 points between the two of them. Ron Caps is five rounds back, uh, 100 points even, and it's really a battle between those three, so a Chevy, Dodge, and a Toyota uh, battling for the championship there. Bob Task has given up a lot of ground, but he's been running well, so he's got a Ford there, and I'm trying to look at all those. Like Blake Alexander shows up every week too, so Chad Green is actually in the top 10. Wow, it's interesting. Um, in pro stock, they have they're only running 18 races supposedly they're saying 10 to 22 and then they're talking about 10 to they're saying all oh, 24 races to 18 but i guess they got their math wrong enders has just over 5 rounds on Aaron Stanfield and uh some other i mean i guess the points are pretty close there between Hartford Bo Butner and Quadra Jr Fernando Quadra Jr is only 6 points between those three to from 9th to 11th Troy Coughlin Jr. struggling pretty hard, uh, driving as a teammate to Eric Anders, uh, honestly. Um, Stanfield is, I guess, their, their second lead dog in regards to the elite people. Um, Koretsky, Glenn are part of the team with KB performance with Greg Anderson. So there is that. Um, and then in Pro Stock Motorcycle, Steve Johnson has a 52-point lead on Angel Sampe, 55-point lead on Karen Stouffer. So that's, what, two and a half rounds. And then five rounds, essentially, to Gladstone, Angie Smith, Matt Smith, and Ed Graywick. So five, five and a half rounds there. Um, points are pretty straightforward with that, unless these guys, some of these people can win. Um, so the schedule, getting into... The next race, so right now, the next, I'm trying to get into the schedule here. For the next race in NHRA will be uh, the first part of the Western Swing. So they'll have a couple weeks off here before they go to Denver for the Mile High Dodge Power Brokers by Nationals. Then they'll have the Denso NHRA Sonoma Nationals. And then the Flavor Pack NHRA Northwest Nationals at Pacific Raceways in um seattle so that'll be the western swing so i'll have a couple weeks before we get into the next nhra event there goodwood festival of speed saw uh, max chilton make himself useful uh driving a really cool um uh, powered car to a goodwood record uh, to go and 
He had the highlights there. He drove the... I'm trying to go through all this and see if they have any news here on their website. Motorsport Planning Diary. Motor Circuit Diary. Goodwood Rival. Don't have any of that. Okay, great. Goodwood Festival of Speed. Um, all right, yeah, he drove um, Goodwood Festival of Speed 2022. Got here on Unforgettable Experience. Spectacular, yeah. Outright Goodwood Hill record was broken in the McMurdy spiraling uh, fan car. There was debuts by multiple manufacturers. Wayne Rainey um, got to ride his uh, world championship Yamaha for the first time since his um, uh, catastrophic injury back in 1993. And he had a group of his fellow uh, world champion riders with him and King Kenny Roberts, his owner at that time, uh, riding the Proton. He had um, Mick Doohan, who ended up following um, him, uh, following Wayne Rainey, and of course Kevin Schwantz, who won that championship, his longtime rival, um, and that ended essentially ended the American domination of uh, motorcycle Grand Prix racing there and that particular point in in the world because Americans dominated at that point. So there was there are so many cool things you could see it on their website on YouTube. There were so many great moments, so many cool cars that were there. Um, Max Chilton broke the track record by nearly nine, just over nine tenths of a second, or eight, just under nine tenths of a second there. So um, those there was the cool moments there. You had Formula One cars. You had great. You had drivers. You had Nigel Mansell come back, jump in at his World Championship winning Williams, and in his Ferrari that he drove in nineteen. Um, 90. He had other cars and other things. So, um, something. Um, Bobby Rahal's Indy car from the 80s was there yeah. too. So, I mean, there's there's so many cool cars. It's a bucket list thing that I want to do is go to the Goodwood Festival of Speed for sure because it leads into a bunch of great events too because you have Wimbledon and the British Grand Prix. So, it would be a great vacation, something I have to work for there. Um, Pikes Peak Hill Climb took place. Uh, this past weekend, as I mentioned, bring that up. And Robin Shoot wins for a third time in a Wolf, uh, basically a prototype type vehicle, uh, souped up with a 1009525 uh, by 25 seconds over David Donner, multiple time winner on uh, the mountain there. Then David Donahue, longtime uh, racer and his dad's legend, and he finished third in another Porsche, so two Porsches. Cody Vashold's former winner of the event, his family's been up there for many years, finished fourth. So there was um, issues with fog, so that that played a, a role in, in the results and in the times for why that they were slower. I think cool a cool piece to the results from this year in the hundredth running of the Pikes Peak Hill Climb uh, was the fact that um, that uh, Rod Millen brought his former um, his former uh, record breaking uh, Toyota Tacoma back to 
Um, oh, they have a YouTube channel. Jeez. Okay. Um, brought his Toyota Tacoma back to um, race, and he was uh, he finished eighth overall with his '98 Tacoma at 11:06:152. Finished behind his son, um, Reese Millen, by just uh, under 20 seconds, like 18 seconds behind him. Uh, Reese Millen drove an Emotion Porsche GT3R. So that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, you have Yoshihara exhibition in a Tesla Model 3. Paul Dallenbach, multiple winner of this race, uh, finished top 10 there. You have some other names, like you have Lane Schrantz, who's been there many years, Randy Popst. Um, trying to go through some of the other. Rob Holland there. Uh, there's some women that raced. Lonnie Unzer. Uh, the uh, the Unzer name has uh, quite a history there, of course, with Bobby Unzer winning yeah, this Al race. Al Unzer is one or two, so I mean, there's a lot of history there at Pike's Peak. Um, a '98 Toyota Paseo. Well, um, who wants to run a Toyota Paseo? God, Christ. Uh, so yeah, so um, that was the result. Yeah, Acura had a good. Uh, running there too, debuting the Integra, got a top 10 finish for them in the TLX Type S. Um, so that was pretty good debut for track, yeah, track conditions for uh, their new cars. Yeah, I mean, there was, they, they have, I mean, they've had some runs up there in recent years too. So uh, they've had some car drivers and all that. Um, so yeah, get on their YouTube page. I guess we'll go promote that for them, even though they don't need our promotion, because um, it's just cool. And I think even though they don't have, uh, I guess, uh, a presence on uh, the game on Gran Turismo, they're connected to. They have Gran Turismo uh, sponsorship, so you'd think they would put the track on the game. Uh, as I mentioned earlier. Um, Saudi-backed Neom is going to sponsor the McLaren Formula E team and their Extreme E program. Lauderer's leaving Formula E. Um, we brought up Rosenquist, likely going back to Formula E here. And Nissan will be the power unit uh, uh, provider, powertrain provider for McLaren, which is interesting. Um and then there will be um, Mahindra was part of the Goodwood Festival of Speed debuting the Gen 3 car as well. Uh, the next uh, the race this weekend, Stoffel Van Dorn leads by five points over Jean-Eric Verne. And Eduardo Mortara is uh, further two points back. So seven points separate the top three. Twelve points separate the top four. Mitch Evans in fourth. Uh, Nick DeVries, a defending champion. World champion is basically halfway behind. Uh, he's 35, 55, 56 points behind in sixth. To Lauderer back there with his teammate Pascal Verline, former champions Lucas DeGrassi and Antonio Felix DaCosta round out the top 10 going to Marrakesh. Uh, it'll be one race uh, this weekend. Then there will be double headers to end the season in in New York and Brooklyn, then in London and Seoul, Korea, South Korea, to end the season. So six, seven races to go here in the Formula E calendar. 
and uh, so that'll, we'll see what happens with that. A very uh, uh, cha- things are changing in Formula E, and we'll probably get into that more as the end of the year comes along when we get to the start of next year, really, for the new season. Uh, Formula 2 comes back this weekend. Uh, Felipe Drogovic has the points lead, obviously. He's had a great year uh, this year. Uh, he has nearly, what is it, uh, nearly 50-point, 49-point lead overall on Teo Pocher, 59-point uh, lead on Jehan Deruvula. Uh, Logan Sargent is fourth. Dennis Hauger is in. And so Logan Sargent's part of a battle that there's, what, six, 15 points between fourth and 10th. If you get all the way out to 12th, it's 18 points. So fourth to 12th is very close. So that can change this coming weekend at uh, in uh, Silverstone. Then they're going to be running at Austria next week. France and in Hungary, so uh, plenty to plenty to race for here uh, as we get into the second half of this season. Uh, but Drogovic, um, who likely won't get a Grand Prix ride, even if he wins this Formula Two championship, uh, likely to win it though as it stands, unless something crazy happens. Um, Formula Three is way closer. They haven't raced in a while. Uh, it's been a couple months. Uh, it's, uh, it's been since May, they didn't race all of month of, uh, June. So it's been about six weeks since they raced the last time. So they'll be racing at Silverstone. They'll race at Red Bull ring back to back. Then they'll run Hungary and then they'll come back to race, uh, during the uh, return. Once formula one returns from their, uh, summer break. The point standings are very close right now. Victor Martins is three points ahead of Roman Stanek. Uh, Jack Crawford is third. Isaac Hadjar is fourth. Artur Leclerc is fifth. Um, Crawford's 10 points back. There's 19 points separating the top five. Uh, Juan Manuel Correa is ninth. Kalen Fredericks, 12th. Kushmine, 16th. And Hunter Yaney doesn't have any points. I'm trying to get through some of the other people there. So. We'll see what happens with that this coming weekend. And then, of course, in the W Series, it's Jamie Chadwick, uh, who dovetails her W Series with the Extreme E competition. And uh, they've been they've been off uh, since um, Miami. So they'll uh, be racing here this coming weekend. Then they'll race in France and Hungary back-to-back and then take... Uh, a two month break, more than two month break before they finish out their season, essentially uh, Suzuka, Austin and Mexico city in the month of October. So this will be a busy month for the ladies um, to see who's going to finish second uh, because um, Jamie Chadwick is three for three so far this year. Um, they, she won at Spain as well. My fault. So they were at, they were in Catalonia. Abby pulling um, finished, uh, she finished second in two of the three races um, so far this year. Um, Alice Powell has finished third in two of the three races. And then Marta Garcia, Betske Visser round out your top five. There's only 16 points, 16 points separating second through eighth. And what is it? 21 from second and ninth. Uh, very tight 
points right now. Um, there's five drivers that haven't scored a point so far this year. Chloe Chambers just celebrated her birthday, so happy birthday to her. Uh, it was 11th in points. So considering how Americans have struggled, at least an American's going to finally have uh, points here in this uh, W Series. Uh, Josh, I'll bring you back in here now. Uh, Formula One comes back to Great Britain, the British Grand Prix. It'll be a great homecoming for Lewis Hamilton and uh, George Russell. Uh, Sounds like certain people are thinking Mercedes will have something to show for themselves because it's a very smooth circuit. But to be honest, we know that it'll be about Max Verstappen and Ferrari versus Ferrari when, when you come down to it. Um, what are you looking for this weekend at Silverstone at one of the birth, the birthplace of one of the birthplaces of formula one, the original first race of formula one took place there, uh, for them, for the people that are up at the front end of the grid and elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, now we return to Silverstone where probably you saw the most dramatic, uh, portion of the formula one season last year when, you know, of course, Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen made contact and, you know, Verstappen hit the wall. And it was uh, probably, you know, the most entertaining thing we saw up until the championship last year. Now we're back at the scene of where all that took place and with a, you know, different uh, type of uh, scene this year now with uh, Ferrari uh, basically replacing uh, Mercedes as the combatant to uh, Red Bull in the championship this year. Um, So I think, yeah, the fight's going to continue to be between uh, Verstappen and either of the Ferraris, whether it's, uh, you know, Charles Leclerc or Carlos Sainz. So it's it's probably going to be a battle between those two. Um, Don't count out, uh, um, don't, don't count out Sergio Perez either because, you know, he's also very formidable and um, knows, you know, he he knows how to race and um, knows how to make the most out of a good car. He just, you know, sometimes runs into uh, poor luck uh, like, you know, like he did uh, at the Canadian Grand Prix. Uh, so, you know, there's that. And then, you know, I think, um, of course, um, let's look at Mercedes. You know, they seem to maybe have made some gains. Of course, you know, we saw their, uh, the runs that they've, they've had lately. Um, they kind of recovered from their poor run at Baku with uh, Lewis Hamilton getting onto the podium in uh, Canada. Now can they come back to basically return home to England and uh, for Lewis and possibly get onto the podium, maybe even more. And they seem to uh, maybe have found something. And especially if they, you know, continue to go on tracks where everything is smooth and they don't have a whole lot of a rough surface uh, could bode well for them. But of course, um, right now it just seems like the uh, Red Bulls are outclassing everybody on pace uh, in this new formula uh, this year. So it's going to be a tough challenge, uh, but you know, we have to wait and see uh, what happens there. Um, think uh also you know for mclaren this is their home race too uh for both uh you know for lando this is home race and then you know for ricardo can uh you know can he come out and try to you know do better than you know what he's done uh lately and try to at least salvage the season and maybe uh show them why he should stick around uh, another year in formula one period not even just for mclaren but you know the fact is he could be uh, facing uh, possibly an exit from the sport uh, at the end of the year if um, things don't go uh, 
you know turn out well for him so uh look out for them to try to make a play this uh this weekend and you know upcoming weekend and see if they uh possibly you know score a points finish or maybe something right outside of the podium uh for either of those cars especially being a home track uh, race you want to be able to um you know have a, a good run in front of your home fans uh in uh in england there so uh look out for that um We'll see, you know, Fernando Alonso and Alpine, uh, can they kind of continue the momentum that they kind of uh, found at uh, Sir Gilles Villeneuve? Can they, you know, qualify well, uh, you know, within the top 10 once again? Uh, can Fernando Alonso, you know, hold on to track position, uh, you know, once the race gets going? And are, you know, they're going to be able to kind of uh, execute their strategy a little bit better than what they did at Canada, where they seemingly went against the grain and then uh, were never able to recover from that. So, um you know, look out for that. Um, I think um, other teams to uh, look at. I think you know, look at uh, Alphatari and uh, Pierre Gasly. Can you know? Can they uh, finish well in the points and uh, continue to carry the flag for that team uh, as uh, you know they go on throughout the season and kind of you know be one of the uh, teams that can be uh, competitive in the in the midfield fight. So. Um, I think, you know, for me, I think those are probably the teams to look out for uh, this weekend uh, at the uh, Formula One Grand Prix. Um, don't think it's going to be anything dramatic like last year, but, you know, you never know what, what it's going to be like in Formula One, especially uh, this season with uh, the way the cars are racing. So, uh, you know, we'll have to see what happens. Um, but, you know, I think uh, it's going to be the probably the uh, start of, you know, where we see uh, the direction of the championship go, um, whether it continues to go in the direction of Red Bull and Max Verstappen, or can uh, Ferrari begin to gain some momentum and uh, cut into the points championship and maybe, you know, swing it back into their direction in their favor. And, you know, this is kind of last year where uh, Lewis Hamilton was able to kind of begin his uh, charge towards getting to the uh, championship, uh, you know, being able to, I mean, obviously he didn't win, but uh, this is kind of the where things started to change, and uh, you saw the momentum swing in his favor throughout most of the summer, and uh, you know going into the into the fall before Verstappen kind of uh, started to pull it back in his direction. So uh, look out for that. You know Ferrari can kind of use this race as a kind of a, a spring springboard uh, into the uh, future of the season, where potentially they might be able to uh, take the uh, drivers' uh, championship points lead and possibly even the constructors' championship uh, lead away from uh, Red Bull. And I think you have to look at this race uh, as a important uh, uh, inflection point uh, in that. Uh, you know, in that challenge. Yeah, I mean, we have to see what Mercedes is going to do. I think that's a huge piece in regards to what they, what Red Bull is going to do or what Red Bull is going to have to say for their situation if they're able to um, go and battle two teams because Ferrari's kind of made it easy on them uh, with their issues with the in regards to um, not being able to finish. Uh, that's played a big part. And then you go and get into um, how how uh, Ferrari also has given away a lot of points. So I think those, those things are all there. You have to look at that and go and figure out what's going to come from those two teams. What can they do? What can they do to make Max Verstappen and Red Bull, Sergio Perez, actually have to earn it? Um, can Mercedes have a clean weekend throughout? If they can do that, then Lewis Hamilton could stand out, could have a chance to finally win. Uh, maybe he can win a pole. 
Um, I think George Russell, you have to really look at him. He's been the more consistent guy all year. Um, qualifying has generally went in his favor, but it's kind of been in between. Um, but in the race, definitely been more consistent than Lewis. If they could have a clean weekend, and it sounds like they've figured out the porpoising issues and whatever, this race, the race in maybe not as much at at Red Bull Ring, could be a big uh, turning point for their season. They're not going to win the Constructors' Championship, but they can make it very hard on Red Bull to have to get this Constructors' Championship. And I think that's what, if you're watching Formula One right now, that's what you want to see, unless you're a fan of Fish Lips and Red Bull, is is making those fucking cocksuckers earn it. Um, make so, so I can go and see Lewis win a race and win a pole to continue his streak that he's had his whole entire career. That's essentially what I'm looking for at this point. Uh, get one of each and then, you know, call it a day. He ain't going to do anything. This year, it's more about 2023. I think uh, George is the one that's kind of trying to make something happen here, have his best finishes of his career um, here this year to give him the momentum going into 2023. But those guys, that'll be the battle up top. McLaren is right there with Alpine. What are those teams going to do? You know, Alfa Romeo's had their moments this year. Haas, uh, Aston Martin, uh, those are all have kind of had their moments this year. Um, Williams has struggled mightily most of this year. Uh, Will that continue more than likely? Yes. Aston Martin struggled a lot. Um, You know, to be determined what happens amongst the rest of the grid um, in regards to Formula One in in the standings in regards to the teams and all that. I mean, Haas has not had much to show for anything since Imola. Uh, Williams scored two points in Miami, but other than that, uh, two, uh, two out of the three points there. Um, so it's been pretty brutal for them. Aston Martin only just passed Haas uh, right now, so... They're the three back-end teams, Alpha Tories in their own world. Alpha Romeo, Alpine, and McLaren are racing for that midfield battle. Um, what can those teams do uh, there as we get into um, this next part of the calendar prior to, of course, the um, summer break, which will um, we have four races, and then we're going to have the summer break. So we have uh, Silverstone, we have Austria, Paul Ricard and Hungary before the summer break. So it's going to be big in regards to what comes from that. Um, Max Verstappen goes into this weekend's race coming off of four wins, um, six wins total um, so so far this year. Um, and uh, I think he won the sprint race as well or whatever um, at uh, Imola. So that was, um, he's got six wins so far in, in nine races, and he has a 46-point lead on Sergio Perez. Perez is three points out of Charles Leclerc in third. Um, George Russell's fourth, nine points out of Carlos Sainz, who's in fifth, and Lewis Hamilton is in sixth. He's 25 points beyond Carlos Sainz. Something to look at. Uh, as we go into that, uh, this weekend we're going to run at one of the classic tracks for IndyCar at Mid Ohio. Uh, Josh, um, 
IndyCar season. I mean, I'd be remiss before we get past that. I forgot to mention it during the roundup that Robert Wickens and uh, his co-driver, Mark Wilkins, won the TCR category at Watkins Glen during the um, uh, Michelin Pilot Challenge. So that was the first victory for um, for Robert Wickens in September of 2017. In his career, of course, he suffered the massive injuries at Pocono in 2018, which left him uh, having to use a wheelchair. But the fact of the matter is now with hand controls and through training and hard work and everything that he's gone through, Robert Wickens is back in victory lane. And it um, went across all of motorsports, the amount of people that were happy about seeing uh, a great man uh, return and um, and re- uh, to go and get a victory there um, at Watkins Glen for for Brian Hurd Autosport and the Hyundai Elantra program that they have there. Um, so just uh, so former IndyCar driver, of course, um, getting into um, the race here this weekend at Mid Ohio. Marcus Erickson leads the points over Joseph Newgarden. Over Will Power, Joseph Newgarden, Pat O'Ward, and Alex Pillow. Those are the top five. Pillow, the defending series champion. Um, Ganassi has come out and basically said, you're going to see the status quo with his team. So it doesn't, at least he, he's no selling the thought that somebody is going to take over for Jimmy Johnson for now. Uh, but I have a hard time believing that Jimmy Johnson is going to stay for a full season um, next year, unless something changes. But uh you know in regards to mid ohio josh uh it's been a it's a tough racetrack it's a great track for scott dixon i mean is there there's very few tracks that aren't great tracks for scott dixon um over his his legendary career but uh dixon of course looking for a win he hasn't won this year uh they're gonna be going back to toronto uh here in a couple weeks time for the first time since pre-pandemic and then they're going to get into a very busy time of the calendar. This this race, after this race, they're going to be very busy for a month. They're going to run three, four, five, six races in the span of a month. Um, what is it? Uh, three oval races, um, two street races, and then the second race at Indy Grand Prix prior to the last two races of the calendar. So it's going to get very busy. Uh, this is a time where if you can go and get some momentum, uh, it could really set your path to possibly going and winning an IndyCar championship for sure. Um, New Gardens won twice there. Colton Herta won in 2020. Will Powers won there. Um, Will Powers a, a winner there previously. Scott Dixon has won. Six times at Mid-Ohio, last time in 2019. Rossi, um, Charlie Kimball won his first career race there, and only race as of now. Um, Graham Rehall won there. Um, Pagano, as I mentioned. Um, Dario, Dario won there once. Um, yeah, Scott Dixon won there one, two, three, four, five, six times. Yep. So... Are we looking at Scott Dixon finally get over the hump, or will it be somebody else? Will it be a Penske? Will it be an Andretti car? Who are you looking at for this weekend at uh, Mid-Ohio? Qualifying does make a difference to a point. I mean, yes, Dixon has come from 22nd, dead last, to win 
um, in 2014 and Graham Ray Hall came from 13th. But otherwise, the vast majority of people come from the top 10 and really inside of the top five to win. So if you make the Firestone Fast 6, it really stands to reason that you have a pretty good shot given the circumstances, to go and win there. This is a very tough track to pass at, Josh. Yeah, it's a very uh, tough track to go and make passes uh, at. So track position, very, very important here at uh, Mid-Ohio. And um, I think once once you get the lead, um, you know, you got to do a really good job of keeping it and maintaining your track position and uh, th- uh, clean air, um, especially uh, at this racetrack. I think the uh, real uh, key passing zone is being able to uh, – make something happen in the keyhole in turn two. Um, so, you, you know, you really have to have a, a good turn one uh, to set up that uh, turn two. And obviously even before that, you know, you have to uh, be able to close up and, you know, in, in the S's, you know, going all the way back from uh, turn 10 down, turn 11, turn 12, turn 13, have a good set of corners there to be able to set up turn one and then possibly make a pass into uh, the keyhole in turn two. That's, probably the best opportunity to pass there. And then, you know, also again, going into turn four uh, to start the S's uh, there. So it's going to be an interesting uh, race, I think. And um, you talk about Scott Dixon. He's won here uh, before, you know, won in uh, 2019 at this race. In 2020, I think, uh, had an issue uh, and spun out, you know, a rare or had a rare mistake at at this race in 2020 and uh, almost – I wouldn't say almost cost him the championship, but certainly put him in a lot more vulnerable position than uh, you know what he what he would have uh, liked uh, to be in. So, yeah, it's definitely a uh, you know a tough race to uh, be be in and you know make make things happen. And it's a very physical racetrack, so you know, a lot of things can happen. Um, but I think think uh, this would be a track yet yeah, definitely for Scott Dixon to try to win at uh as you said he's got a, a lot of uh, history at this place and uh you know he, he knows how to win at this racetrack and at others so um with you know his his ability to stay cool calm under pressure you know as long as um he's up there you know you know you can always count on him to uh make something happen um but I would also look at his teammate uh Marcus Erickson you know as we've talked about uh before you know he's been He's points leader, and you know he's been very consistent. Um, he's not got the flashiest speed. He's not like a Colton Hurd who's like super quick, uh, but you know he's very very consistent. And uh, you know we've mentioned before his uh, finishing uh, and consistency in, in this series. You know he's uh, scored more points overall uh, since the Indian Indianapolis 500 back in uh, 2021, and uh, basically on, until now. So uh, he's he's done a really really good job of uh you know having consistency and uh maintaining or getting the the best out of his finishes there so uh you know i look for him again to be able to possibly get a podium he got a podium at uh road america um and possibly uh, you know extend his uh championship points lead you know currently has uh 27 points uh over uh over uh willpower uh, so it's it's going to be a you know interesting to see uh you know what he's able to do if uh, you know he can maintain his position and possibly build upon his uh, points lead in the championship and um, maybe submit himself as a favorite for uh, the title as we go on uh, later this year. Like you said, this could be a, a race that helps uh, determine your future in the championship uh, here. So look out for that, and then also look at the other Swede Felix Rosenquist. Um, 
2019 in his rookie season finished second this is a uh, you know to his teammate uh scott dixon that was a race he p- uh, possibly could have won i think and uh, you know i think he's uh another guy who's um had some interesting runs as of late you know, had a good run at the indianapolis 500 um finished 10th at uh belle Isle, and then sixth place at uh elkhart lake and road america so definitely we could see something uh from him this weekend where you know he's able to if not a podium you can probably count on him to finish at least in the top 10 so he, he might be uh somebody that could possibly be you know in sneaky uh contention i guess um alex below last year's champion hasn't won yet uh this year and i think you know this is definitely a track that they've uh you know course that they definitely got to be able to uh capitalize on this weekend uh especially being able to um come out of there with a win would be great and you know get him back into uh championship contention uh in uh, in this championship so we'll have to see you know, if, if he's able to uh accomplish that uh Pato award already won a race this year at, at birmingham you know can he win you know once again uh this season um you know had a Poor finish at Road America with the, the electrical issue with his uh, engine. So, uh, can he, you know, recover from that and possibly win or score a podium finish? Um, I think this track, you know, technically is probably similar to uh, Barber Motorsports Park. So, um, there could be some similarities there, and you can draw from that uh, talent, from that knowledge uh, of both those tracks, and potentially come out on top. You know, we'll have to see. And then I think another driver you're gonna have to look at is um, uh, Alexander Rossi. Of course, uh, you know, like like Rosenquist, he's had a last good month and a half or so of IndyCar, uh, going back to the the 500. Uh, you know, had good finish there, good finish at uh, Detroit and and at Road America. So, uh, you know, he's uh, kind of on a run of at least getting a top five the last three races. And uh, you know, talked about him possibly getting a win at some point in uh, by the end of the season. Last season in uh, IndyCar with uh, uh, Andretti Autosport, can he come out and possibly get a, a final victory uh, with that team? And what a better place to do that than uh, Mid Ohio? So, you know, I think um, it's going to be a tough race. Uh, you know, tracks very physical, one of the more f- physically demanding races that the series goes to. Uh, uh, you know, every year. So, you know, we're gonna have to see uh, which drivers can uh, come out on top and you know uh, give themselves an opportunity to be able to. Um, contend in this uh, points championship. So it's going to be interesting uh, race to watch for sure. It's something that we're going to see for sure. I mean, uh, Dixon, based on his history, of course, um, is outstanding. Um, six wins, 11 top five, 15 top tens, and 16 starts at the track. Uh, led 261 laps. Has run at the finish of 15 of 16 races. So every single time he's finished, he's finished in the top 10. Alexander Rossi, uh, six of his seven races he's ran there has been in the top 10, and he's five top fives and a win. Will Powers uh, run 14 times at the track, nine top fives, 11 top 10s, 13 lead lap finishes, but 11 out of 14 races with one win. Grosjean made his debut there last year, finished seventh. Pagano's ran there 12 times with nine top 10 finishes and five top fives. Um Colton Hurd has run there four times, three top tens, one top five, which was a win uh, out of four races. Newgarden, six top tens, 
um, and four top fives with two wins and 11 starts trying to go and win his third IndyCar championship. So those are all people that are there. Of course, a wild card um, is Green Rehall. Um, 15 starts, 10 top 10, six top fives, and one win. Um, a starting position is a big issue for him, though. He's an average start of 11 and a half uh, with a 9.5 average finish. Um, for Scott Dixon, his, his starting position uh, is 6.9 average for 16 races, which isn't bad. Um, Will Power, uh, of course, he's qualified more polls than anybody that isn't named A.J. Foyt. Uh, I think he passed Mario Andretti, or he's close to passing Mario Andretti um, in regards to number of polls. Uh, so, I mean, Will Power is probably a likely person that will... Uh, be there. He's qualified on pole 63 times in his career um, with 41 wins. So he's up there with the Andretti's there, of course. So something to be seen. What will come from that? Um, is that Isa? Oh, they non-classified the Las Vegas Motor Speedway race. Yeah. Yeah, that was the death race. Yeah. Um, uh, Iowa heat races. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to look. Oh, those are eye racing. Okay. And then, okay. All right. So, um, I mean, personally, I think it's a time for Ganassi to win. Uh, they're due. Um, I mean, yeah, Rosenquist has won, but his much more heralded teammates are due to win here in this spot. Um, whether it's Dixon, whether it's even Alex Pillow, one of those two. Uh, to give themselves a chance in this IndyCar championship. I think this is the time. This weekend is going to play a big role, uh, honestly, in what we're going to see the rest of the season. Because after that, it's it's really uh, uh, back-to-backs, and you're, you're going to be right on it. You have Toronto, two races at Iowa, Indy GP, and Nashville um, street course, all essentially right on top of each other, back to back to back. So uh, Mid-Ohio is a place to go and set yourself up and make something happen uh, this year. And if if Joseph Newgarden gets his fourth win of the year, uh, I have a hard time believing anybody's really going to get by him. Um, Power's been uber consistent this year. Uh, best average finish so far. Um, qualifying, his, he's, he's qualified on pole once. Polls have been going across the board. Lots of people have been getting polls this year. Um, leading laps, a lot of people have led laps. Of course, Scott McLaughlin has, in, gotten, has become more inconsistent as the season has gone by, but he's led the most laps so far this year. Um, Dixon has led the second most laps, but he's only six in points. His average start relative to Will Power is 0.7 behind him, but... Um, Joseph Newgarden's given up five spots to him, essentially four and a half spots to him. He's given up three and a half spots to Pato Award. So that's something we have to see. Can Alex Pelot, you know, Alex Pelot started relatively well. He's has three podiums this year, but hasn't gotten that win. Can Scott Dixon qualify better? Can like Alexander Rossi qualify better? Can some of these other people go and make a, make a run? Uh, to make this thing interesting, uh, because otherwise, um, Erickson right now um, is going to have he'll be in a battle to fight against Power and Newgarden 
for this championship if things stay the way they are. But we'll get into that for episode 122. We'll tell you what happens there at Mid-Ohio. Uh, Cup and Xfinity this weekend at Road America. It's going to be a few weeks before we get the trucks back. They'll be at Mid-Ohio at that point. The quick trip to 50 at Road America, 37 cars will be starting, which will see uh, Joey Hand drive for uh, Rick Ware in the 15, A.J. Allmendinger in the 16 for Colleague. Um, Kyle Tilly will be in the 78 for B.J. McLeod's team. And then Loris Hensemans will be in the 27 car for his dad's team. So there won't be any uh, people at DNQ in regards to that. Um, getting into the race at uh, Road America. I mean, of course, Clyde won the race last year. Um, just going to go and bring up, figure I'll bring up the fantasy stats here in um, road courses, all lengths, last 10 races, get rankings. The um, average finish is Chase Elliott, of course, is by far the best average finish. He's got a 5.6 average with Three wins, seven top fives, and eight top tens. Uh, Blaney is second, actually, in um, average finish with a 10.4 in the last 10 road races with two top fives and six top tens. Uh, Larson, third, three wins all last year, of course, five top fives and five top tens. Alex Bowman and Denny Hamlin, your top five. Chris Busher, of course, had a second place finish at Snoroma. Is sixth, Joey Logano seventh, Kurt Busch eighth, Ross Chastain ninth, and Eric Jones rounding up your top ten there. Um, I'm trying to go and bring up the results from last year uh, at Road America. The um, jockey made in America 250 presented by Quick Trip saw Chase Elliott lead the most laps, 24 laps, um, from after starting tailback. Um, had issues in qualifying. William Byron actually qualified on pole. Um, won the race over Christopher Bell, Kyle Busch, Kurt Busch, Denny Hamlin. So it looked like a Gibbs benefit. Chase Briscoe started 35th and finished 6th, which was, I think, his best finish last year. Um, Ross Chastain 7th, Tyler Reddick 8th, Truex 9th, D Burrito rounded out your top 10. So a lot of guys that started in the back were able to move up, but whether that was in part due to strategy or whatever, uh, starting position didn't play as big of a role um, in the result. Uh, honestly, there was issues for some of the people that did start up front, especially Austin Sindrick, uh, Daniel Suarez, um, like that. So, I mean, we look at that there, Josh. I mean, Xfinity is a little more straightforward, I would think. But um, what are you looking for? I mean, they moved. It looks like, yeah, Joe Graff got moved to, they. he got uh, sent to the uh, um, BJ McLeod team so they could put Andy Lally in the car because their points and Cole oh, Custer. he got demoted. Yeah, he got pseudo demoted because Cole Custer is going to be in the 07 car. Andy Lally is going to be the 08 car. So uh, Ty Dillon's driving for uh, uh, Johnny Davis Motorsports, interestingly. Um, Kyle Larson will be driving the Hendrick 17. So that's my pick. Um, yeah, Miguel Pluto will be in the 88 car. So Sammy Smith, the ARCA driver be in the 18 car. So he'll be somebody to look at, but uh, I already picked Kyle Larson for the Xfinity race. Cause he's going to qualify unless 
they they're not going to rain it out. So um, I figure he'll get in the show. They're not trying to go and make sure the 17 car doesn't make two races in a row. But um, who are you looking at this weekend at uh, Road America? I mean, well, if you're going to go Kyle Larson, I may as well go with the other obvious pick, and that's AJ Allmendinger here at Road America. Uh, I think it's going to be a battle between uh, road course ringers, this racetrack, or, well, cup veterans who know how to road race. And, you know, Kyle Larson's uh, got a lot of, you know, beyond. 2021 um, has actually done fairly decent on the road courses uh, in the past. Uh, and I think, you know, now he's on a really good team that uh, has got the road course uh, program put together pretty well. So I uh, expect him to be up front, but you know, AJ Allmendinger has been kind of the de facto road course King of uh, the Xfinity series. And, you know, since he basically returned to Xfinity competition uh, since, you know, after his cup career went, uh, down the drain and everything for the most part uh you know he's done really well in these cars uh, in this series at road courses so pick him uh to win and you know i think he's probably got a good chance of winning it because uh there's a good chance that it would happen uh but beyond him i mean uh look at uh miguel paluto uh making a one-off start so he, you know, he's the real road course ringer in this uh, in this race, uh, making one off start for the '88 car and Jared Motorsports. Uh, possibly could be a guy uh, to look out for. Andy Lally, uh, like you mentioned just a couple minutes ago, he, uh, getting getting the start in the '08 car. Um, I don't know if they'll win, but you know, Andy Lally's a a guy who knows how to road race and can certainly see him putting it up in the top ten uh, by the end of the day uh, in that car. So I'm. Don't count him out for at least a top ten run, uh, for uh, for that team. Uh, I think uh, maybe another guy you look at to before at Road America several years ago. So uh, definitely could see him coming out with a, a good run here uh, at Road America. Um, you know he's uh, one of those guys that you know you don't think of uh, as a road racer, but you know he knows how to at least get the job done. Uh, so look out for that. Um, think um also. Look out for uh, Ty Gibbs, who's another uh, racer who, who's had success uh, since they came to, since he came to the series uh, as you know one in the past on road courses. So uh, why not expect him to at least run up front? But you know, I think at the end of the day, like I said, I think it's going to be uh, AJ Allmendinger coming out on top, uh, and uh, yeah, I think uh, he'll be able to de- defeat uh, road course expert uh, Kyle Larson uh, here uh, in the Xfinity Series at Road America. Yeah, the Xfinity Series race will be a lot more carnage, uh, a lot longer, uh, because Xfinity, they don't know what NASCAR doesn't know what a local yellow is. Um, it'll also allow for people that are, have, that are road racing veterans to stand out, the cup, veter- the cup drivers that need a little more experience to get some, or to actually get better at it, the likes of Ty Dillon uh, being an example of that. I mean, Kyle Larson is just trying to trophy hunt um i mean i look at the team with the um i'm forgetting uh the team that uh, the xfinity uh team that the zero seven is um they don't show the zero seven ss green light so the ss green light team they're trying to hedge because uh, they have joe graf sitting there running like shit uh, most of the year um you know that's that's pretty weak. 
they're trying to actually put somebody in the car that knows how to drive because David Starr also doesn't have a clue. Um, so putting Andy Lally in the car is pretty good there in that spot. I mean, then you have Cole Custer, of course, who won at ACS earlier this year. So that'll be something. Um, those are just a few of the people. I mean, Preston Pardis has had his moments on road courses driving for uh, for uh, what's his name? I'm forgetting his name. Mario Goslin's team. Reddick is another uh, inside guy. I mean, it's. I find it weird that when they have a guy who is a road racer uh, as a driver, in um, I'm forgetting his name too now. Um, their their usual driver was a road racer, but then they're keeping Tyler Reddick in the car, so. Um, that's somebody that stands out as a possibility for sure, too. Uh, I'm not sure in regards to points who's where. Um, I would say that the point situation, you know, when you look at some of these smaller teams like the DGM team, the um, Carl Long with the 13 car, BJ McLeod's team with the 78, the DGM team with the 92 as well. So that's where the DNQs could be coming from. Uh, the Emerling Gase team is another one with the 35. Weatherman with the 34 car. I mean, he actually knows how to drive, so that actually could um, play in their favor, even though they'll probably break early in the race. Uh, trying to see who else is in that that might have some issues with the points. I mean, Ty Dillon, the five car with Joe Graff. That's another one that could have some issues in regards to um, owner points relative to their ability to go and make the field. Uh, so qualifying will actually be somewhat intriguing in the in the Xfinity series. In the Cup series, though, as we brought up uh, earlier, it may not be as big of an issue considering some of the guys. Uh, basically, Kyle Busch started dead last. Briscoe started 35th. Chase Elliott won from 34th. Um, the guy, what is it, Austin Dillon and O. Richard started 37th, 38th. They all finished in the top 12. So it's possible to come from the back, of course, with strategy and all that to get up there and make something happen. Uh, but you really want to give yourself a chance to run up front, have a better pit position, and kind of move from there relative to um, you know, having to rely on pitch strategy or rely on other things to fall in your favor, I would think. Uh, but you know, when it comes to this field, this, uh, Sunday, Josh, I mean, I, I mean, the favorite is Clyde until further notice, but there are drivers that need a win, uh, that need some positive momentum. I mean, you, the likes of Chase Briscoe and Austin Sindrick, who are on the bottom end of the points for drivers who have won one race. Those are guys that need a big run. You have drivers that haven't won a race, and Ryan Blaney, who's the second-best average on road courses right now. You have Martin Truex Jr., who's won multiple road course races. Um, that's just a few people. You know, McDowell made his name on road courses way back when. Um, it is just a few people. I mean, the track house team has been great on the road courses this year. Suarez winning at Sonoma and Ross Chastain at Coda. So those are just a few examples of people 
that uh, could win. I mean, it starts with Clyde, but it isn't straightforward. I think we're going to see a new, we're either going to see a new winner or somebody that's been in the back end of that, that field, um, whether it's, you know, uh, Austin Sindrick or Briscoe. I think one of those two guys does something here on Sunday, or my pick is going to be Martin Truex Jr. Uh, to win this race on Sunday. Um, he is announced for next year. He's going to get to do his retirement tour and all that. But I think Martin Truex, they probably should have won yesterday. I think he's going to win on Sunday at Road America, um, get his first win of the year, get a 13th different winner. And if it wasn't him, Ryan Blaney winning wouldn't shock me either um, in regards to that. But what are your picks? I mean, there's a, a lot of uh, possibilities that could happen. Uh, I think, yeah, there's definitely a lot more competitive depth. You talk about who could possibly win this race here at Road America in the Cup Series. So, um, you know, you talked about all those guys like Chastain, uh, Austin Dillon. You mentioned um, Chase Elliott. Ryan Blaney, uh, Martin Truex, all all guys that have a lot of experience racing, uh, road course racing, or have like tried to improve their ability to road race uh, uh, outside of the series. Uh, so it's uh, very interesting with what could happen. And you know, we talked about Xfinity, Kyle Larson, and uh, AJ Allmendinger are both running that race uh, in uh, in the series, and Ty Dillon as well. So. Uh, you know, I think Kyle Larson or uh, AJ Allmendinger are also very easy picks to make for uh, this race here, and both of them could easily win. Um, I think Danny Hamlin also is another guy who, who's good at uh, road course racing that could potentially come out and win this race, and you know, he would get a third win, which uh, was on the table uh, yesterday in Kentucky. Well, if he gets a third win, then uh, puts himself on top of the series and would you know be the effective leader in terms of wins uh, and the playoff uh, field for uh, the NASCAR Cup Series. So, uh, you know, you have that. And then there are other drivers that haven't won, like, uh, like you said, like Austin Dillon, uh, uh, like Ryan Blaney, uh, Martin Truex, and then even guys like Kevin Harvick, who uh, have also been pretty good historically on road courses and you know, he hasn't won uh, in a long time and this would be a great opportunity for him to win and be that 13th driver um, and even you know guys who haven't won ever like Tyler Reddick who seemingly you know he hasn't you know won anything yet in the cup series and um, you know potentially could win if things go right uh, this weekend for him at Road America or someone like Michael McDowell, who has actually been kind of on a little bit of a run as of late, uh, you know, scored most of his top tens and within the last like two months in, in cup. So um, could potentially come out on top. I mean, he knows how to road race as well. So a lot of possibilities here, a lot of talented drivers uh, here in the cup series that could potentially win. And I think you're probably right. We end up seeing whether it's a 13th, winner in the cup series whether it's a brand new winner who hasn't won before a uh, new winner uh this season uh who hasn't who just hasn't won yet this year it's likely probably to happen so uh i do like the volatility here in the cup series uh with you know the way things going the parity equality between all the teams that there isn't really one team that's really been 
or driver that's been really like consistent throughout the entire year. There's, you know, teams that go through stretches like we're seeing right now with Joe Gibbs racing and to some extent Hendrick Motorsports uh, currently right now. But, you know, there's no one team that's been consistent since Daytona all the way to, you know, um, that's been the team to pick every week. It's all, it's been kind of, uh, up and down for pretty much every team in the garage. So, um, I think, you know, road America adds to it, you know, even with, um, the, you know, unpredictability that can happen on road courses and, you know, with, uh, the restarts that we're going to get with stages and, uh, you know, at least two cautions, you know, it could add up to multiple, uh, things that happen throughout the race. So, those are things you have to look out for. And then of course, you know, we've talked about it before with, uh, the stages, uh, you know, I think the stages affecting strategy, well, obviously they know how to strategize around that and it makes it look, uh, you know, boring or not boring, but I guess like unconventional to us, but you know, they know how to, you know, play around that. So there's that. And, you know, we'll see how teams try to play the strategy for fuel, um, relative to the stages to position themselves, uh, going, you know, into the final stage, at least in the top 10, if not in the lead or in the top five. So, uh, there's, there's that to consider as well. Um, and you know, we are talking about drivers who haven't won yet. And another driver that I thought of while I was you know talking about this is Chris Buescher, who of course, uh, you know, his team has, uh, you know, they're likely to be suspended the crew chief and, and crew members for the loose wheel, uh, that came off of his car on, uh, yesterday, but, uh, ran second at, uh, Sonoma Raceway, uh, can they, you know, come out and, you know, we talked about it before with them, with RFK doing, uh, you know, road course testing, can they come out on, on top and potentially get his first win since 2016? So, uh, first win for him and, you know, uh, for that team in a long time. So, uh, that's also on the table. So again, another driver that could potentially win at that 13th name to the list, uh, of winners, uh, in, in the season. And, you know, we're, going to continue to see uh the wild wackiness that uh we seemingly have have seen this year with uh the point standings with the number of winners that we've seen already this year uh that looks like we're probably going to be on track for 16 winners so you know we'll see what happens and of course you know it's the start of the summer now and traditionally it seems like you know with every summer uh before the uh chase playoffs start we always have a lot of volatility of winners and we get surprise winners that qualify themselves into the uh into the playoffs so this is probably the start of it and you know we just need three new winners before uh the start of the playoffs so i i think we'll see uh at least three winners now and i think this race here at road america is the start of it yeah that's something that we're gonna have to see i mean this next this nine next nine races is gonna play a huge role in regards to the playoffs and anything that happens is going to play a part. I mean, there it's going to be a big push on the teams. Any mistakes are going to be magnified uh, because they're going to have to run the season out on the cup side um, and who does what um, out there. Uh, Josh, um, let us uh, know what you're doing in regards to the sim side of things. Um, I racing and the like uh, there's, I saw posts on my YouTube in regards to some people I follow with F1 2022 and some of the other games as well. But um, what are you doing on that or anything that you've heard, any news items that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen too much lately in the news side of sim racing, although, yes, uh, F1 2022 is coming out soon. Going to have to, yeah, pick it up uh, this year, which I think uh, 
EA Sports is publishing it, which I think they did last year, but they did not have the EA Sports branding on it last year, uh, which I think they did because they, they, they acquired Code uh, Masters, the who's the used to be the producer now. I think they still are, but now it's under the EA Sports uh, branding now. So brought EA Sports back into the fold of F1 games. If you remember back in the day, they had the F1 Challenge 99 to 2002 or 01, whatever it was, uh, back then uh which was one of the f1 games that was out uh on consoles produced by ea sports so uh you know i don't think anything will really change but you know now we'll get to experience the new formula uh this year and you know the new circuit with the miami miami uh, international autodrome that we raced at earlier this year with the miami grand prix so uh finally be able to get to race the video game version of that once the game comes out and yeah definitely have to go out and pick up the game uh you know, hopefully, hopefully by then, maybe I'll have something figured out with that actually being able to use my wheel on my console because um, either I have to get an adapter for it since it's an older wheel or uh, figure something out there or just go controller and, you know, just play it casually uh, there. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, once I, you know, the game comes out and definitely going to be an interesting uh, game there to play Uh especially if you're a new person trying to get into formula one so you know video games are a great uh, great way to you know get involved into racing because you know you actually get to race the cars that you see when you're watching and you know you get to um uh, play as them as well and you know that's what got me into it as a kid so it's a great way to connect with it uh, on the iRacing things uh side of things um yeah i think yeah this week um probably going to be doing uh cup at road america um probably uh, just think, yeah, they are also doing Road America this week. Um, I think uh, probably going to be doing, yeah, Cup and Xfinity at Road America. I uh, think uh, the Legends cars, the 87 cars, are running Daytona, so try to run those if I have some time. Um, the uh, Mazda Miatas, of course, always uh, try to pick those up once a week. I think they're doing uh, Lime Rock Park this week. Um, going to need to look at some of the other road racing series uh I think I uh, don't have a schedule pull up on me, but um, probably will try to run the Honda Civic Type R uh, this week again. So I did some over the weekend at um, Watkins Glen and was definitely driving a little bit, a little bit too hard than I normally do. I think I was um, just trying to like go up through the field because I uh, had an issue with my steering wheel and qualifying and uh, needed to make some adjustments to that. So I didn't actually post a qualifying time, start in the back and, uh, made my way up uh, pretty quickly in that race, but uh, started to get a little bit impatient because it's like, you know, when you pass a bunch of cars, like uh, on the first lap, you're like, all right, well, now I got to try to pass everybody. And then you start overdriving the corners and um, driving a little bit too defensively and maybe not being as patient or as calm as you'd like to be. So made some mistakes there and um, gave some positions back that I should have had uh, in that one. Uh, that I raced on like Saturday night. Um, I think there was another one at uh, the Mazda Miata series. Uh, had I think yeah, I, I had second place on the second lap, and then um, got spun out. Uh, somebody tried to dive bomb me and totally missed the corner and and spun me out. So uh, wasn't too happy with that, but recovered at least to get a sixth place finish in that series. Uh, out of I think out of twelve, they're running the uh in that series so at least there's a little bit of a good recovery there um i think um yeah that's mostly it for the sim racing stuff um you know of course like i mentioned the other day uh at some point they're going to announce the uh 
Firecracker 400 uh, for the E-Racer GG League, which, uh, of course, that'll attract big stars like Dale Jr., Kyle Busch, uh, Raja Karuth, and, you know, other people that uh, who are, you know, sim racers and um, also compete competitively in, in NASCAR for real, in real life. And I think um, Parker Kligerman, I think he's either announcing or he's um, going to actually race. And same same thing with Landon Castle. I think they, for this one, I think they just announce or, you know, do the uh, uh, scoring or whatever, and uh, they don't actually compete. But I, that is a, a league that they uh, compete in uh, on their own from time to time when they have the um, availability to do it. But um, it's going to be a big event for sure, and you know, look forward to competing in it. You know, hopefully, I have the time. You know, as long as as long as I'm available and don't have anything going on, it you know, extracurricular. So uh, we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens there. But you know, definitely looking forward to that once it comes out. And just you know, waiting for the announcement right now of when the event is going to be because they they said soon, uh, like a week ago or something. And, you know, just just waiting on that announcement to take place. Absolutely, and we'll be able to go and follow you there on your. Um uh twitch profile uh so let us know where we can go and find you on twitch and on other social media channels yeah of course i mean there's always you know follow me twitch tv slash you sailor too and you know you see my streams i mean haven't i really streamed lately i mean of course i did talk about my iRacing stuff but didn't stream sometimes you know sometimes you just want to go out there and and race and stuff and you know, don't always want to put out your uh streams and stuff and you know um think uh this weekend just wanted to you know just kind of go out there and race but you know i think uh for some of the bigger events definitely try to stream or whenever i feel like it but yeah go there twitch tv slash you so too and then of course follow social media follow at you know at jp huffine on twitter and see the takes on you know what happened on sunday and uh you know other things that you might be interested in i try to post it on my profile and of course you know try to uh post the show when you know when once it's out and uh, you know, you can see everything that I'm interested in. And, um, I think for the YouTube page, of course, you know, we're expanding to YouTube and, uh, have the, the video streams up on there as well, uh, with the audio streams. So you can go on, uh, YouTube at the grip strip podcast podcast page and, you know, see our streams and see our, our, uh, latest videos. Of course, we had our latest video with, uh, Joe Passero from, uh, last Friday and we had a good, uh, three hour long discussion on, on everything that happened in NASCAR and, uh, you know, other things, uh, throughout the previous weekend. So, uh, go on there and watch that and, you know, recap that. And of course we'll have this episode out here pretty soon and you can go on, on the YouTube page and watch that. So, you know, go and subscribe, like comment and, you know, do all the YouTube things, uh, to go on and watch our videos and, uh, you know, continue to give us support. Absolutely. And thanks as always for, uh, being my co-host and uh, backup and doing your thing and providing your takes and insights in regards to all things motorsports, man. And follow Josh on his uh, Twitch uh, stream once he's able, uh, if he's wanting to go out there and run some of these races, figure the firecracker, he'll be out there and want to follow his stream running the 87 cars for sure. Uh, You can follow me at uh, Philip G. Matthew on Twitter um, there will be plenty of Colorado Avalanche um, related uh, tweets on top of my uh, page, essentially, uh, because I'm still happy and excited uh, that they won the Stanley Cup. Uh, you can follow me there. You can follow me at Grip, follow us at Gripstrip Pod on Twitter 
where we post the shows and post some other content. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, Verbal, uh, YouTube, of course, with the Gripshire Podcast. Um, you can follow us, philipgmatthew.com. The, that's my website. The show gets posted over there. So um, if you want to find out what my thoughts are on racing or thoughts in, in general, you can find me on, on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram at philipgmatthew28. Um, mostly bowling stuff over there. Um, hoping to post some big ones here this week and as the rest of the summer goes along. Uh, but um, thank you, as always, for listening to Gripshire Podcast, uh, liking, subscribing, downloading. Uh, percentages are going up, so that's positive. Got consistent following. We appreciate that. Um, likely going to do a hit uh, at least once, maybe twice this coming week on the F1 Grid Talk podcast. Uh, probably doing the preview for um, Austria at a minimum, uh, likely going to do the review, but we will see. Uh, we'll see what happens. British Grand Prix will be back for episode 122 of the Gripshire Podcast to go over everything that went over that or that took place this weekend. It'll be, um, of course, British Grand Prix, IndyCar Mid-Ohio, Cup and Xfinity at Road America, uh, there, what is it, Formula 2, 3, and then W Series at Silverstone, W Series, and then um, whatever else is going to be coming along the following week. Um, of course, NASCAR will be racing the following week there. And um, we'll get into all that and whatever else is going on in regards to the world of motorsports and sports here on the Grisher Podcast. We thank you once again for listening, and um, we'll see you next time. Take care.